everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is the 145th episode of the podcast that takes you on a journey, uh, an embarkation, a uh, a trot, if you will, a stroll through all of the legends and adventures and stories and missives of the Marvel superhero universe, beginning way back in the day, 1961's The Fantastic Four number one, and going up all the way to a new year. We're still still hungover from, from New Year celebrations, even though it's been 10 days. It's mm-hmm. uh, 1967 now, January. And we're picking up today with the Avengers 38, Tales of Suspense 88, Strange Tales 155, and Amazing Spider-Man 47. Mike, and how we have, are you? We have the ultimate partier returning to tonight's episode. Oh, yes. I have heard that if you want to throw a party, uh, this man is your guy. He, he, yeah. he, can, he can bring it. I think like in 1966, we kicked off with about 28 stories with this guy back to back in it. And then he was just gone. So it's cool that well, he's back again. Well, he and Thor got together, they both got really hammered. <laughs> hey, I guess we don't have to be secretive about who it is because we're going to talk about it literally right now. But yes, Avengers number 38 is going to guest star Hercules dun, dun, dun. In, in our midst, an immortal. Um, where are we at here? We're on January 10th, mm-hmm. 1967. Yes, we are. I get the book first because we still haven't done another fiver lately. Um, featuring Hercules, the peerless prince of power. We couldn't figure a way to squeeze him into the splash panel, but wait till you get the page for who boy. Okay. Edited for every man by Stan Lee. Scripted for somebody by Roy Thomas. Penciled for posterity by Don Heck. Inked for immortality by George Bell. Lettered for a living by Artie Semek. Guess what? Hawkeye is fighting again. Only now, he doesn't fight with Cap anymore because he and Cap are the very good best of friends, however that song went. But he's fighting with Goliath, and they're fighting about the inclusion of Black Widow into the Avengers roster. Hawkeye is of the opinion, because he's in love with her, that she should be an Avenger. That's the only qualification necessary. And Goliath is like, um, but she's a bad guy, or used to be, or we're not really sure what she is, so we need to, I say no. And everybody else is sort of like, and I say we talk about it, you know? So anyway, they're fighting Avenger style, and Cap does the whole, like, throw the shield in the middle and break it up, and Quicksilver has to retrieve the shield. And it's lots of cool superhero stuff, and eventually they're like, okay, yeah, we'll talk about it. Meanwhile, Black Widow, who's not even there, she's like jumping around in the Manhattan jungle on her way there when this mysterious mist seems to have like a life all of a sudden and like follows her and envelops her and knocks her out and sucks her into this hidden ship. And these two shadowy, nefarious guys in suits are like, yes, we caught her <laughs> in the fire vacuum ray. They don't actually laugh like that because it turns out they're not that nefarious. But we'll get to that in a second because finally, page four that we were promised on page one is Hercules fighting Ares. If we recall, Hercules was tricked by Pluto to be the new Pluto. And the only way to get out of it was if someone would stand up and fight for him. And he did go around asking Olympians before Thor ultimately did it. He went around asking Olympians, hey, will you fight for me? And one of those guys he asked was Ares. And Ares was a big jerky jerk and said no. So now that Hercules is free, thanks to Thor, he's come back 
to Olympus to, you know, get in a fight. And so they're fighting. Um, and then the Enchantress shows up. She's like, boys, boys, you don't have to fight. I brought you cool beverages because you look very thirsty. And Hercules is like, I don't know if I'm supposed to drink beverages from you because I think I've heard that you're evil. That's right, because she's as a guardian and they're Olympians. So they don't really know each other, but he's heard legend of her being a jerky jerk also. So Ares is like, well, I'm a real man. I'll drink. And he drinks. And Hercules notes that nothing happens. So Hercules drinks. But aha, apparently Enchantress and Ares have been speaking this whole time. So that was the trick to give Ares a cup that wasn't tainted and give Hercules a cup that is. And now he's kind of brainwashed and in love with the Enchantress. And she's like... My love, there's these people on this planet Earth that you were just recently visiting. They're called the Avengers, and they really made fun of me once, so I need you to go down there and, like, kill them for me. And he's like, I'll do anything for you, darling. Um, All the Avengers go across the street to a hot dog stand, except for Cap. (laughs) And, yeah, Black Widow... Turns out she was captured by S.H.I.E.L.D., actually. She's on a helicarrier. She wakes up on a helicarrier. There's Nick Fury. I guess they've been talking about maybe doing something with her, and Nick finally has a mission for her, and it's across the curtain, and that's as much information as we're given. But he, of course, says it's top secret, and you can tell no one, especially that loudmouth boyfriend of yours. And she's like, oh, gosh, Hawkeye's not going to like this. But anyway, they come back from the hot dog stand, and Cap's gone. See Tales of Suspense later this episode. Um, and Black Widow shows up, and Hawkeye's like, yeah, you can be an Avenger now. She's like, actually, we need to break up. I'm going across the curtain, and I'm just never going to see you again. And Goliath's like, I knew you were still a bad guy. Only people who go who are bad go across the bamboo curtain. Has nothing to do with anything good, right? She's like, well, yeah, okay, you're right. And she leaves and makes Hawkeye look like an idiot, and he kind of throws a tantrum. Actually, he quits the Avengers and throws his bow into a corner, and he wants to go and leave, and Wasp goes with him because she's kind of annoyed with Goliath being a jerky jerk about Black Widow, so hardcore about it, and that, of course, makes Goliath like all jelly and stuff. Anyway, so now we're down to Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and Goliath as the Enchantress and Hercules show up. So there's a big fight. Hercules you know, is really powerful, so they have a hard time with him. Uh, The Enchantress and Scarlet Witch go toe-to-toe while Quicksilver and Goliath try and take on Hercules. Neither, not any of them do very well. Um, They try and single signal Hawkeye and Wasp, um, but they're at dinner with fancy suits and stuff, and they're like, eh, we left for a reason. They're probably just trying to get us to come back because we were butthurt, and so let's just ignore our ring. And she's like, okay. Anyway, so yeah, they're doing bad. Goliath is knocked out. I think Quicksilver is knocked out. The Enchantress proves to be more powerful than Scarlet Witch. When all of a sudden the Wasp and and Hawkeye show up, so all that drama was much to do about nothing. I guess they decided to show up anyway. Hawkeye shoots a uh, – he doesn't call it brimstone. He calls it a sulfur arrow, but Hercules or Enchantress calls it brimstone, and apparently brimstone is the one thing that can like – Disruptor spell. So now suddenly Hercules is like, what? What am I doing this for? Who are you? I don't even like you, lady. And she's like, uh-oh, I'm backed in a quarter. Time to put on my full power and destroy all of these people. And Hercules is like, nah, don't do that. Get out of here. And she goes, okay. And she leaves. Um, and she's thinking to herself, gosh, why did I just tuck tail and run? Could it be that I think Hercules is hot? It's possible. Uh, meanwhile, Zeus appears. 
Um, and he's like, hey, you disrespected the law and went to the world of mortals. So I'm going to doctor who third doctor you and like you're stuck on planet Earth now. He's like, but dad, it was best- I don't care. I'm just as annoying as Zeus. I'm just as annoying as Odin and I don't listen to people anyway. So you're stuck. So the Avengers are like, hey, no hard feelings. If you want a room, we've got one. He's like, really? You'd give me a room even though I just tried to kill you? Yeah, that's cool. We understand. Chantress is super annoying. And so we end the issue with him in his room looking out the window going, gee, maybe these mortals aren't so puny after all. Next, the Mad Thinker and the Trio of Terror, unfortunately. Yeah, that doesn't sound promising. Uh, No, no. (laughs) But this was all right. What did you think about this one? Yeah, I like this. Well, first of all, Hercules is always fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, lots happened in this. Wow. Lots, lots of character how, stuff. And I was wondering what they were going to do with black widow. Cause I could, I know she joins the Avengers eventually. I couldn't remember when it was. And I guess it's not now. Yeah. It's not yet. No. What's, um, what's weird. And uh, I don't know. I feel that we were mentioning this now, but there's no real, it's not like a spoiler or anything. All of the stuff she does with shield uh-huh. never gets mentioned in shield. Oh, wow. So. We're going to see her talking to Dum Dum and, and Fury a number of times, and she never even cameos in the other book. That is partly weird, but also it's kind of cool to think like the S.H.I.E.L.D. guys have their own main narrative, but then they also do other things when we're not looking. Yeah, I don't mind it. It just seems odd, yeah. especially during this time where every single possible link in the Marvel, mm-hmm. Marvel Universe seems to get used and Absolutely. exploited. And it's kind of a missed opportunity, but maybe they were worried that it would become the Black Widow show if they brought her mm, into that mm. book or something. I don't know. Because I would want it to be the Black Widow show if she was suddenly in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Heck yeah. And I don't remember how things go from here with her and Hawkeye. Uh, I feel like that might have had its course, but I, I don't think know it's that done. Hawkeye has like 800 more women to get through. So I'm pretty sure we need to wrap up this whole being into Black Widow thing. And he's going to bring up his crush on on Scarlet Witch again before too long. And Oh, yeah. Yeah. He and Tony. He and Tony have a lot more ladies to get through. I thought you were going to say Tony. He and Tony. <laughs> Tony is, yeah, well, he and Tony eventually just end up with each other, right? Right, right. That's what needs to happen. Um, but uh, that makes me wonder, like, man, Tony has been really slacking because he's just as bad as Hawkeye, isn't he? Anyway. Well, he's um, he said Pepper. That's it. Yeah, kind of boring. I guess he hasn't been on the Avengers to sleep with all the females yet. No, no, he, yeah. Uh, he, he, just Wasp. Just the Wasp, and she's taken. Yeah, he'll get her anyway, um, I think. So, yeah, this was, this was, this is definitely fun. Um, after so many weird off-note Avengers issues, they're just kind of bonkers, and why is that happening? It's nice mm-hmm. to have some that doesn't feel like, doesn't feel as high as, like, the vision and the stuff we're going to get, but definitely mm-hmm. feels, like, high compared to the other Avengers issues we've read. Yeah, it's not a random alien abducting them and trying to steal their powers, and then we never see those aliens again. At least right. this had consequences or something. Right. So who whose side are you on in this epic civil war, Goliath or Hawkeye, or neither? Um, well, I have the benefit of knowing who Natasha really is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that sense, I'm definitely with Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. But you know, Goliath has a little bit of a point in that – Natasha's entire basic concept is that she is moose and squirrel bad girl. Yeah. And has proven multiple times that she's willing to betray him. Right. Or trick or trick him. And Goliath doesn't even know about the whole threatened to kill Ixar thing. Like they're keeping right. that under wraps. I forgot about that. If yeah. he did know. <laughs> That'd be even worse. Right. I think, 
I I side more with Goliath in the sense that I feel like Hawkeye's reasons are just based on nothing mm-hmm. other than that he likes her. Because even he doesn't technically know, know that she's good now. He hasn't been with her that long since True. He's mostly she's just reformed. crushing and... Yeah, so he's crushing, and I think it's more important. You need to evaluate a superpowered person to be on the Avengers a little more thoroughly than just, I, I like her. But I also think Goliath is being kind of jerky-jerk about it. Like, he could probably handle it a little differently. Well, and also, we don't know how much time the Hawkeye and Black Widow spend between um, between issues. Mm-hmm. When they got back from that one island or South American adventure or something, and she was mad because she missed out on a vacation spot. So, like, he went to her place. After that adventure. So they may be, I don't know, they, they, they may be spending a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. But but I think I think even like Cap says, like, you know, I think you're great, Hawkeye. But yeah, even I want to like discuss this a little more. We can't just <laughs> say yes. The weird thing is with the writing on this is Goliath doesn't really actually spell out many of his reasons for mistrusting her. Like, we know the reasons one would mistrust Black Widow. But here, when it comes right down to it, he says, I don't know. I just have a feeling, which kind of takes some of the wind out of his argument. Right. Because there's plenty of reasons. He should just, you know, spout those. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot to mention, I don't know if it's true, but Jan is the chairman in this issue. Right. And I don't know if that's ever happened before. That, as to my memory, has never happened before. Of course, we haven't had chairman much. <laughs> Lately. Yeah, we just we just started having him again after that Spider-Man <laughs> annual. Because freaking Goliath and, and Wasp are back, so they brought that old stupid rule thing back, rotating chairman. Cap's like, I was leader, we were fine. I guess yeah. we gotta do this thing again. <laughs> it was working a lot better when we just stuck with the same roles, but that's cool. Let's just make it confusing. Let's let Hawkeye be chairman. Can you freaking imagine? That's <laughs> gonna be that's gonna be a horrible day. Um, we get to Hercules and Ares, which <laughs> Hercules is so muscled. Like that one panel on the bottom of page four, he looks like mm-hmm. a blow up balloon with a little head on top. Yeah, not the greatest art there. But I did like the callback to Ares' involvement in Thor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kind of forget that Olympus and Asgard are two different things. But I, yes, of course they are. But like when, when Enchantress showed up, I was just like, yeah, that's normal. Mm-hmm. Until Hercules is like, hey, you don't belong here. Oh, yeah, she doesn't belong here. That's crazy. What is she doing there? Um, Ares says he, he holds the, the fake poisons. Like it is written that only one who is not of Olympus may dip his flask into the fountain of Eros. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, that's, that's, that's probably not actually written. No, it's probably not. (laughs) And it probably doesn't work even if it is written. Right. Right. But Aurora sweeps Hercules up because she does that. Just like she did Thor back in what issue seven or something. He's going to be an Avenger too. Boy, we should be cataloging future Avengers, I guess. Ares is going to be an Avenger? I believe he is, yeah, at some point. Way down the road, like in the 2000s or something. Oh, he's on the Dark Avengers. Yeah, but I think he was also, he was with Captain Marvel's team uh, fairly recently. Not fair, I don't know, what's recently? Every time I read a book, 10 years go by, but. Right, 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 right. No, I, I get you, though. There's a storyline where like Ultron turns into a naked Jan for some reason. That's what I remember. And Ares was in it. And I don't know why he was an Avenger, but he was. I somehow remember that happening, even though I've read very few Avengers comics from the modern era. Right. <laughs> so I believe you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when they're talking about bringing Black Widow in, they hold a special session 
Uh-huh. And they talk about how Iron Man and Thor couldn't make it. So just like in the uh, Spider-Man annual. Oh, yes. So I guess when you're bringing in new members, this is what happens. I'm kind of down with that. Like, I like the idea that even though they're not active, they are on some sort of board, a deciding board of some kind mm-hmm. that, that gets pulled in just for certain decision-making processes. Now, having Thor on that board is probably going to be detrimental to the team in the long run because Thor is probably very unavailable most of the time. <laughs> so maybe they want to rethink that. But What's Iron Man tied up with right now? Um, he's at least on Earth. Yeah, he's at least on Earth. And theoretically, you can get a hold of a secretary through Tony or something. But like Thor, I don't even know if Thor, I don't want to say Thor doesn't care about being Avenger, but I always feel like he also has other things that he might care about more. Right. So Iron Man is tied he, up with the Mole Man. That's what he's doing. Does he need to, does Thor need to be on this board that makes decisions about who gets to be an Avenger? Like, does he care that much? I guess, I mean, he was an Avenger. So I think with a special session, they're like calling the entire roster in. That or the founders are still the ones who make that decision. Maybe. The ultimate decision. Like, maybe all these guys at the 10 Wasp. You just got super quiet, but I I know what you're talking about. Really? Can you hear me? Maybe. Try it again. Hello, hello. It's slowly getting back up there. I think maybe, I don't know if you knocked something, I just knocked the volume down or what, but it's fine. Okay. There you are. You're fully back on now. So, Uh in the annual, they mentioned that Pietro and Wanda were absent. So, they had their special session, but they couldn't involve them because they were in Europe. So now they're having mm. a special session, but Sans, um, Iron Man, and Thor. So I, I'm thinking special sessions, everybody, but. Well, that'll only work for so long because eventually the roster is going to be like, you know, a history of having like 8,000 people. They all have to get together. <laughs> right. Well, in issue right. 100, they bring in every Avenger who was ever an Avenger. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty significant crowd. Right. Um, I made fun of the hot dog place. It's actually a burger place. And I actually think it's amazing. And I wish there was panels of them doing it. Of going to get burgers. And I want them to do it all the time. And I wish it was an Avengers thing. Like, oh, yeah, Larry's Burgers. Yeah. Across the street from Avengers Mansion. Like a thing that Avengers fans know about. And no take-home burgers for Cap because Cap has to have a sandwich. So I don't know. Was take-home burgers – I mean, did takeout food not really be a thing in the 60s? I would imagine as New York, like everything – you could find a place to eat within walking distance anywhere you go, right? Right. So here you are in Avenger, and yes, you have Jarvis, and you probably have a full fridge, but maybe you just want a burger or, a, I don't know, sushi or something. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I like this idea that there's this awesome burger place across the street that they know about, and they actually go <laughs> makes me check happy. out. It is cool, but we'll probably never hear about it again. It was just an excuse to get them all out of the place. Um, okay, we get to Natasha talking to S.H.I.E.L.D., Mm-hmm. And we see Sitwell, and we see Dugan, and we see Fury, and it's all the S.H.I.E.L.D. people. Um, Black Widow says, as I told you then, Colonel, I will do anything which will show that I'm no longer your country's enemy, but a loyal citizen. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, loyal? Okay, sure. Citizen? You literally came over here from Russia six months ago. Yeah, maybe she's wanting to earn citizenship, but that's like a hard way to earn it. And I'm sure we're not going to get to like the whole civics of her, you know, getting citizenship in the U.S., but it's mm. it does feel strange for her to say that. I find it interesting that they've been talking. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, hey, are you still interested in working with me like you were the other day on the phone? It's like we didn't see that scene. So this is just information that apparently she's been on the side trying to get a hold of Nick Fury to 
to offer her services. So which Kat's makes sense. been talking to Fury and Natasha's been talking to Fury. I mean, if you're a spy for Russia and you don't want to be a spy for Russia anymore, but you're still a really awesome spy, it kind of makes sense to call S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Mm-hmm. And also, so. we know that she was brainwashed before, and I wonder if this helps to inspire later developments in her backstory. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, part of her backstory is all of her, like, you know, mental conditioning. Oh, the red room and the fact that she's 50 years old and all that stuff that makes no <laughs> sense to me still. We've worked, I think I worked it out one time and then I didn't work it out again. I forgot. The fact already. that once she dyes her hair red, it has always been red. Yes. <laughs> all that. And she's never worn earrings with B and W on them. Well, you know, maybe on Tuesdays. Um, all right. So I, I really like how Captain America walks out of this issue and into his own. Mm-hmm. It's just a nice little bit of connectivity. I mean, we've talked about, you know, we talked about the growing feelings of connectivity in the Marvel Universe. We've gotten to full scale crossovers, but this is just nice when they do this. Captain America, you know, I, I, I got called away and I'm going to go be in my mm-hmm. own book. Now, I hope that it kind of feels irresponsible because I think he was the only one left behind to monitor the thing. But like, presumably, A, they're just across the street getting hamburgers, so they'll be back in five minutes. And B, we'll find out that it involves a certain somebody that always makes him irrational anyway. So mm, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Now, yeah. English, English is dumb. Black Widow at the bottom of page nine says, can anyone ever truly escape his past while he yet lives? And she's talking about herself in the hypothetical sense, but she's using male pronouns. Uh huh. Because English has that old rule about if you don't have a specified gender default to male pronouns. Do you know why English has that rule? Because it's sexist? No, I don't know. Yeah, because people in universities said it should have that rule, and people in universities were dudes. English does not have that rule as a natural development. It's like one of those, what they call a prescribed grammar rule. It's not because it's the way Mm. people naturally talk. It's because it's the way people say they should talk. So, yeah, most women, I imagine, if they were talking about themselves, but they want to talk about themselves in the third person or in the hypothetical, would probably say she. But um, but Stan's using quote-unquote proper grammar here. So because she says anyone and isn't necessarily referring to herself directly. Right. Exactly. She's speaking more generally, so default to male, but it's mm. unnecessary. It's weird, yeah. And I, I feel like this whole scene with the Black Widow, I don't know. There should be a better way for this to go down, but I don't necessarily know what it would be. It's kind of a, I don't even know where other examples are, but I feel like I've read other examples where someone can't tell the one they love what they really are doing. So they just break up or, or say the most minimal thing possible to make it so they can't understand Mm -hmm. (laughs) just for drama sake, I guess. (laughs) Or the most minimal things that almost make you making you misunderstand. Right. I am leaving America within the hour. I shall be gone. Gone where? I cannot tell you my exact destination. It's supposed to be on the bamboo curtain. No, you can't leave. And then they're like, yeah, you're still bad. And she's like, as for you, Hawkeye, forget any foolish thoughts of romance between us, for it was never fated to be. And then in her thought bubble, it's, I had to tell Hawkeye that lie. Otherwise, he might follow me. So she's like treating him like a dog that you hit with a stick to get him to go away, you know? Mm-hmm. Also, she's going back behind the bamboo curtain, which is code for Asia, communist uh-huh. Asia, not uh-huh. the Iron Curtain, which is communist Soviet Union. So uh-huh. I don't know. It's It feels weird for them to assume that she's going back to her people since she's not from a communist Asian country. Right. That's mostly just Goliath being sexist or jerky or something. Probably. I don't know. I think he just loves her. 
Um, on the other hand, Hawkeye is impetuous and annoying, and maybe this is the best way to handle him. Yeah, because <laughs> because if she sat down and said, "Listen, I'm going on a mission. I'm going to do something, and I honestly can't tell you what it is, but I need you to not follow me." I don't know. I feel like he just would. So instead, piss him off, break up with him, make him whine like a little baby, and then he'll leave you alone. And along the way, Hank snaps at Jan a couple times and says some things that she thinks are really <laughs> stupid. So when Hawkeye leaves, Jan's like, "You know what? I'm skadooshing out of here too." And by the end of the page. Um, we're uh-huh. breaking up the Avengers and Pietro and Scarlet Witch are like, did we come back to, to <laughs> like, you know, see the end of the team? <laughs> that kind of hurt my feelings a little bit, but I don't know that she just left with Hawkeye like that. Yeah. Like, ouch. Where's the loyalty, I guess? I don't know. I had to go then back again, and reread the scene to see exactly what she was peeved about. Because at first, I, at first I thought maybe she was leaving with Hawkeye to spy on him. Uh-huh. And then it turns out later in the issue, she does. That's not why she left. She was legitimately leaving. I had to go back to this page. Like, why is she leaving? And it's because Hank is just like really callous, and she yeah, it's like really go back big. to your murder murderous friends, and and they've probably got a light on burning in the window for you. And she's like, oh my god. And then as Stop. soon as she's at the door, he's like, okay, so um, now that that's over, we have a few things to discuss. And she's like, wait a second, business? Yeah, yeah. So I liked it. I think that she went with him to like try and console him because she was worried about him. Yeah. But it just it also seemed like I'm choosing this man over you, which isn't really true, but it's just kind of ouch. Ouch. But then again, he probably deserves it. And we don't really like Goliath anymore. So good. Let's break up, I guess. Yeah. That's gonna happen eventually. Um Hercules shows up and Quicksilver um sees the Enchantress and immediately starts filling in the OG Avengers on who the Enchantress is. Uh-huh. <laughs> And Goliath, I'm sure, is just like letting him talk because this isn't the time to say, yeah, we know. (laughs) Yeah, like actually, finally, there's at least one Avenger on the Avengers that Enchantress should be mad at. She's trying to take revenge on the event, avenge on <laughs> revenge on the Avengers multiple times. It is never the right roster. Oh, that's right. Like with her whole uh, Power Man swordsman schemes. Yeah, because like the Masters of Evil were defeated by the original guys, and Captain and America was the only one around. And they're gone. And then they've been you know revenged multiple times since then, and none of those guys are there. So the fact that Goliath is there, at least she has kind of a reason. I want to kill these people. I still say that her reasoning is really, really weak because this was all about Thor. Her entire thing was about Thor. Thor's not here. Uh -uh. Go somewhere else, Enchantress. I just don't feel like she's that kind of person either to hold on like that kind of grudge for that long. It's not, it's not very powerful. Um, It's 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 a pretty weak emotion. She strikes me as more powerful than that. It seems to me like, like, Yes, she is powerful, but I think she holds a grudge like nobody's business. Well, I could see it like on a, on a personal level, but like she's like seems to be mad that she was defeated as a member of the Masters of Evil, and like does that really matter that much? You never really liked that team anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Like I could see her being upset that Thor shunned her or whatever, but yeah, it's um, weird. Page twelve, Quicksilver's like it can't be Hercules. He's only a myth, and I'm like at some mm-hmm. point. Probably a lot of people in the Marvel Universe, especially in the superheroes uh, jet set, have to take a moment and think, okay, so how many ancient stories are about people who not only were real, but are also Mm -hmm. somehow still alive? Yes. Well, once you meet Thor on your own team, you would think that opened up the possibilities of, of, you know, Jesus being out there as a martial artist or something. (laughs) 
Kung Fu Jesus. <laughs> um, page 13, we find out what's going on. And this would be a really great time for Goliath to say, just like she did a Thor in issue seven or whatever yes. it was, but they don't do that. Mm-hmm. No. She does not hold her own against Enchantress, but she does get in some good licks, which I was impressed by because Scarlet Witch. Yeah, because if I recall correctly, Loki pretty much spanked Doctor Strange too. So I guess Asgardian magic is probably way better than human people. She's not actually magic, though. I always forget that she's not actually a witch. She's no, a witch, at least not not yet. It's a while yeah. before she gets her licks in, though. Like there are several places where she says she's going to do something, but she doesn't mm-hmm. actually do anything. Until mm-hmm. towards the end of the fight. So I was, I was getting a little bit frustrated with her. Um, it's also so cliche to have like, the, the two women in the room fight each other. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, let's have the big guy and the big guy punch each other. Like, why not swap? How about Goliath punch Enchantress and have a quick and have Scarlet Witch do some hokey pokey thing on Hercules that he can't muscle his way through? Yeah, we talked that about this recently, how the whole don't hit a girl thing is mm-hmm. manifest in yeah. weird ways. And, and he wouldn't hit her either. So there you go. Yeah. Use that to your advantage. The um, way Hercules would uh, smack her around probably. <laughs> we get to uh, the bottom of page 15 where we see the restaurant where um, Hawkeye, not in his Hawkeye costume, but we don't have another name for him. So he's just like, you know, necky Hawkeye. Oh, that's true. I um, forgot about that. Yeah. And Jan, and I honestly thought, yeah, I made that comment, but um, at the bottom there, they ignore the summons. Mm-hmm. Remember when Iron Man was suspended for ignoring an Avenger summons? Mm-hmm. You can't be an Avenger for like two weeks. Oh, I guess I'm just not going to fight a bad guy then, huh? Well, one, I think Hawkeye doesn't want to be an Avenger right at this moment. He did throw his bow away and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he did. Um, but also, it's much to do about nothing because they do answer the summons. And they don't really go into why they changed their mind. It was just like this extra drama to throw us off. Because then they're just there. They're just answering there. Answering the summons. There was well, no point where it was like panels that said, oh, we really should. Maybe they really are in trouble. Well, Scarlet Witch also mentions that she sent out the summons. So seeing them react to it. And it could have been written either way. Because like, you look at the bottom yeah. of page 15, they get the summons. Top of page 15, they talk. We don't see them again until they show up. So the mm. narration could have gone either way. Do they talk and decide not to go and then they show up? Or do they talk and decide they should go and then show up? Mm. I wish there was... Two less pages of fighting and two more pages of Jan and Hawkeye at dinner. Mm. That would have been way cool. Well, just to hear thoughts. It is good for Jan to have dinner instead of fight because we find out on page 18 that she is one of the weakest Avengers. Is that what it says? <laughs> page 18, panel three. Uh, Fool, you God. and the Wasp are the weakest of the Avengers. You know how in the movies, Thor and Hulk are always arguing over who's the strongest Avenger? Uh-huh. It's like here we're arguing over who the weakest Avengers are. And it's always changing. It's been the Scarlet Witch. It's been Hawkeye. Now it's also Jan. Okay, but if, the, if Avengers was a 70s TV show... Every episode, the bad guy would lose after he said, fool, you're the weakest Avenger. It'd be yes. like a cliche because they say that about Cap too all the time. Yeah. Like and look, Captain what, America, yeah. look what happens when she says that. Your puny arrows won't do anything. And then they do everything. Right. They win. That's yeah. true. So the bad guys are always wrong. The weakest Avenger is never the weakest Avenger. There is no weak Avenger. Now, it does say at the bottom there, no, it must not be. For it is written that the second exposure to Brimstone shall undo my spell. When was the first exposure to Brimstone? Oh. Did I miss that? Because he drank a drink before. 
second exposure to brimstone shall undo my spell using the waters of Eero. Yeah, I don't know. And why did he shoot a sulfur arrow at him anyway? Oh, because it explodes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good reason. I don't know. It was weird. I don't know. But we find out that so, Zeus is also crap dad. Not only that, but was he upset the first time Hercules went to Earth? Like, he just got back from Earth and no one said anything. Or was that okay? Because I can't remember why he was on Earth the first time. It was an accident, right? Um... <sighs> Uh, why did he get he, he, he met the Hollywood train why did he why did he go to earth uh, I remember him just waking up somewhere and wondering where he was then encountering a train so didn't somebody like oh Pluto like took him to earth somehow. I know Pluto entrapped him and then Zeus made him obey the entrapment Zeus is all about making sure you follow the rules no matter how much it's not your fault that you broke them yeah yeah and here he does space specify without my leave. So we can't really remember. It's possible Hercules had Zeus's leave to go to Earth before. Um, so what do you think? What do you think of Enchantress like having the hots for Hercules? Trying to remember if it actually goes anywhere. <laughs> I don't know if it does either, but apparently that's the reason she didn't just destroy them all. Because he's like, hey, get get out of here, girl. And she's like, okay, boo. She has she has two character beats. She has I have a I have a crush on this person, and she has I'm going to get revenge on these people. I guess if you're if you have the hots for Thor, then having the hots for Hercules isn't that far of a stretch. Because mm-hmm. they're I'm not saying they're the exact same character. There's definitely differences, but in a way, they're a lot alike. If you have a type, then you could. If you have a type uh, like a guy who's very grandiose and super strong and confident, and yeah, they both fit that mold. See, I don't or remember it going anywhere. A little more. I'll, I'll be surprised if it does, but we'll see. Yeah, probably doesn't. We find out that Thor had a room at Avengers headquarters, which mm. I imagine he probably never used because Don Blake has yep. his own apartment. And why does it need to be Thor's room in particular? Is it reinforced for godly weight? Oh, yeah. He probably had like this really grandiose bed. <laughs> or that could be it. Yeah. Just like. They, they they dumbed down the technology so he could understand how to get things to work. There's like a pot. There's a pot in the corner. <laughs> I, I, I want that to be the reason, yes. Yeah, we've got this special don't understand earth room over here. <laughs> There's a well in it. Right. Yeah, okay. Just, and don't ask about the three seashells. You'll figure it out. Yeah. So is, Thor, is Hercules now with the Avengers? Hercules is an Avenger now. I love that. Yeah, he just he's on the team. Uh, he's been banished to Earth for a year. Okay. So I expect he'll be with the team until circa issue fifty. Well, for immortal for an immortal, a year is just like a blink. Right. Big deal. All right. Shall we move on to tales of suspense? Gosh, why did it take him that long to figure out that a replacement Thor could be Hercules? That's pretty smart. It anyway, is, that's yeah. actually a really clever idea to to put Thor on the team. Gives you that sort of. I'm sorry to put Hercules on the team in Thor's place. Mm-hmm. Yes, Tales of Suspense. Featuring swordsman, the power man, and a madly menacing mystery villain. But not yet, because first we have Iron Man. Iron Man? Beyond all rescue. Last-ish, we saw a mysterious power at work, pulling buildings down to the core of Earth. The last such building contained Iron Man himself, who now emerges from a subterranean rock slide to find that even though she was only in like two panels last issue, somehow Pepper Potts has shown up underground with him. Dun, dun, dun. We'll learn the answer to Iron Man's quixotic query. How can I save you from them? And just as soon as we finish applauding the glory drenched names that follow brought to you by those wildly acclaimed wizards of way out wonderment, Stanley 
and Jane Golan. Inked by fearless Frank Jacoya and lettered by adorable Artie Simic. Okay, Frantic One. Now you're on your own. Okay, so Iron Man's like, oh my gosh, Pepper, we were supposed to abandon, we were supposed to evacuate the factory. You were supposed to leave. Now you're trapped. How am I going to save you? I don't know. Um, so a bunch of yellow putties show up and we find out they're uh, the Mole Man's deadly subterranean moloids. So Mole Man himself shows up and Iron Man fights them. Turn the page, turn the page, turn the page. (laughs) That's all. Um, He gets away with Pepper. We check in with the surface world and um, the the military is like, oh my gosh, something's happened. What's going on with the the most valuable defense plant has been sucked underground. And Iron Man's like, I'm going to eject my um, radio antenna from my shoulder, just like I used to do, even though I haven't done this in a long time. And see if I can make radio contact with the surface because that's the only way we're going to be able to stop them from attacking down here. Um, so he tells them to maintain 24-hour vigil against attack from subterraneans above ground. We'll continue to harass them here below, over and out. Um, Mole Man brings out his dragon to, to stop Iron Man. Iron Man's like, okay, I'll fight you, dragon. And he fights the dragon. Um, dragon turns out to be like a robot. He busts it to pieces. What else? He faces off with Mole Man. Um, the army does drop down. Is it a bomb? Oh, God. I don't know. I think they're taking it out. Oh, they were going to drop it. And they're like, well, if Iron Man doesn't want us to, take it out. Well, except that a- Iron Man then grabs Pepper and flies away and Mole Man's world explodes behind him. Oh. So I forget exactly why that happened. Maybe we'll remember when we're talking know. about it. The art is a little wonky on this issue. The the whole storytelling is a little wonky on this issue. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I wrote down three things about the entire story, and obviously the actual plot didn't stick in my brain as much as it. Oh, but you, know, the wise, you know what it is? What's that? Mole Man is going to use Tony Stark's Earth Digger, that thing that started off this whole story last issue. Oh, that's right. And then Iron Man's like, okay, sure. Yeah, press that one button over there. And he flies away and tells Pepper, Mole Man didn't know that I hadn't figured it all out yet. So he exploded it. Oh, my invention that was going to change the world was actually very highly explosive if you pushed the wrong button. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Whatever so the military do, never did attack. They were just watching or whatever. And uh, Yeah, Mole it was Man, like filler. Mole Man blew himself up. Not filler, really, like filling happens. a hole. No, like filler, like we need more pages. So we'll have the military worry about what's going on down here, but not really do anything. So, yeah, I started this issue and Pepper's down there with Iron Man. And I'm like, I don't remember Pepper being down there with Iron Man. Go right? back to the previous yeah. issue. Iron Man mm-hmm. gets caught in a blast. Pepper's nowhere to be seen. Flip back, flip back, flip back, flip back. And it was like on page one of the previous mm. issue, Pepper and Happy were ordered to leave, which means that Pepper had to have disentangled herself from Happy and went back into the factory against his overprotective wishes. Because you know how Happy is. And mm. somehow she managed to get back inside. Yeah, she's just there to be a victim basically he's like oh no not again this is just like when i fought titanium man you're just here and in my way Mm -hmm. um page two flipping back to page two the second panel i only stayed Mm -hmm. behind to try to find tony stark i was afraid he might be injured quiet lady i hear a noise behind those boulders i know what it means and he's thinking i've got to act cold to her she wants to suspect how worried i am how much her safety means to me and i'm like it's okay y'all the misogyny is just for pretend. 
Yeah, like why would she wonder why Iron Man is caring about her? Of course he would. He's, he's a, a hero. bodyguard and a superhero and an Avenger. That's his job. Yeah, like if Pepper was an 80-year-old woman or a two-year-old boy or whatever, like Iron Man would of course care mm-hmm. that they're going to get hurt. So why wouldn't he care about her? So I think he is overplaying his hand here a little bit, but whatever. And then I just I, – I, I posted on Facebook and maybe on Twitter, is the mole man ever cool? And mm. you have the camp that's like, he's always cool. All his original stories were cool. And you have the mm-hmm. camp, they're like, eventually, maybe a little bit. Um, mm. So the Mole Man, you either really like the Mole Man, or he's just kind of middling. Well, being drawn by Gene Colan has helped his credit a little bit. He looks cooler. Makes the Mole look cooler. But, uh, yeah, I can't say. We obviously have nothing really to say about this story, because it's just kind of blah again. And I feel like what we've seen the Mole Man do in the past is way more powerful than what he's trying to do in this story. Like, they've already gone over the top with him to the point where him just stealing a weird thing that causes earthquakes is nothing. He was inventing platforms that would lower cities into the ground. That's right. He, he did all this to get Iron, to get Tony Stark's Earth Digger. Yeah. It's like, he doesn't need this. And I did just reread the scene with the army. They were lowering a bathosphere in with some skilled technicians mm-hmm. to get uh, Tony Stark's plant back. Uh-huh. Now, and then they took it right back out. Well, let's think that through for a second. Mm-hmm. They're going to go underground and get the factory. What does that even mean? Are they going to <laughs> – we're going to send six I men down know. and we're going to bring back an entire factory. I don't know. That's the problem with the Mole Man is things being above and below ground are not easy. Right. You know what's and below they make ground? It easy. Yeah. Most of the time it's more ground. <laughs> Right. There are but some, it never is with the Mole Man. There are some caves and there are some caverns. And yeah, they're really mm-hmm. cool. But if you dig down, you're going to get ground and ground and ground and ground until you get rock. Oh, and by the way, did they restore all the buildings that got sucked down last story? Not really. They're still down there, aren't they? I think so. Or was it just his factory? Were there things that actually disappeared last issue? I didn't go look. I, I thought there were, but I honestly can't remember. Like, and if they're also worried about this defense plant, he didn't fix that. No, well, it blew up at the end. Oh, well, that's bad, right? Well, at least I don't know. at least the commies didn't get it, Mike. At least oh, nobody else I see. Got Is the that the problem? Plant. Okay, because if it's underground, Russia has a chance. Well, Russia or the Mole Man or anyone else. It's not the good old U.S. <laughs> of A. American government. Don't want the Mole Man to get the defense stuff. That's true. And, you know, he says as he's flying back, um, what does he say? When we reach the surface, when we reach the surface, we won't mention the Mole Man. No need to worry people needlessly. Didn't he already tell the army that the Mole Man's minions were down there and he was taking care of it? Mm-hmm. So he's just like, I'm not going to tell them again. So they will, they'll mm-hmm. forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, Mole Man still sucks. So... I try to actually not do this on the regular, but I did accidentally do it. I've already read the next Iron Man story. Uh huh. I think it's a marked improvement. We'll see when we get. Okay, there. great. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I guess Titanium Man was the last good one I remember, like which that wasn't that long ago. But it's the Melter. But there's also other stuff going on that I I, I liked the story. But now okay. it's time for Captain America. The um, yeah, it's time for the Winter Soldier, basically, because Bucky's alive. Yeah, that's um, it. So. The Avengers have gone out for burgers, yes. and Captain America is waiting for Jarvis to make him that sandwich, 
when with white bread, right? Good old American white bread. When the monitor comes on and it's Bucky, Bucky Barnes, Cap, Cap, it's me, Bucky. I'm alive. I've been held prisoner all these years. You've got to free me before it's too late. And Captain America's like, Oh my gosh, it's Bucky. What if they, the, the miracle kept me in suspended animation? What if something happened to him? And that's why he still looks like he's a child. Do I dare ignore his call for help? No, I'm Captain Frickin' America, inscribed, illustrated, and immortalized by Stan the Man Lee and Gil Sugar Lips Kane, lettered by Swingin' Sammy Rosen. So he swings off into the adventure, um, and... If I said, Walt, would you understand what I was talking about? Uh, the Lost? Or is that way too obscure? Yeah. <laughs> this, seemed, this reminds me of... Remember how like he's on the computer and all of a sudden yes, Walt's on the yes. other end theoretically Walt. going, Dad, is that you? They've got me. And he goes running off into the woods to go after him. Yeah, the season where the Same actor thing. who played Walt was getting longer legs that write him out of the show because only a month has passed and not an entire year of adolescence. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um so 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 just just to get the continuity, Captain America's like, Jarvis, alert the Avengers. I've got to leave my post. Jarvis says, very good, sir. Hawkeye is your alternate for this tour of duty. I'll contact him at once. Where shall I say you've gone? Uh, Tell the man yeah. to, no, say nothing. They just think I'm insane. So um, I guess Jarvis didn't clue into the fact that all the Avengers were just here five minutes ago. But since Hawkeye is the yeah. alternate contact, his, he'll, 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 he'll give a heads Well, up. the no prize there could be that they all seem to live underground in the technological basement and Jarvis seems to be above ground in the mansion serving milk. So maybe he just didn't know they were all gathered down there earlier. I like that. We'll go with something. that. That's the, that's the way it is until we say otherwise. Yeah. Um, so he goes and gets one of the uh, Avengers arrow cars. He flies out to um, Seagull Isle because that's where Bucky says he is. And when he gets down there, he's like, wait, that mountain it isn't a mountain. It's moving like a gigantic trap door. And it sucks him in. Um, me, no, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. All of that. <laughs> Captain America flies off. Then we change scene to Seagull Isle and there's mysterious yellow ball. And not Captain America is looking down saying, wait, look, that mountain. It isn't a mountain. It's moving like a gigantic impossible trap door. And there's somebody inside the mysterious yellow ball. The somebodies are the swordsman and power man. And they get sucked down in Seagull Isle and they see all of these guns and doodads. They get pulled down in a tube. And uh, whenever they show up at the bottom, somebody talks to them over an intercom, but it's just a speaker, so we can't hear their voice. We don't know who they are. We can't see their faces. And they're like, I brought you here to fight a mighty enemy. Not even Captain America can stand to the power man and the swordsman. Gonna cough, so mute the microphone. And I'm back. Didn't even wait for me, did you? Um, so Didn't. Captain America shows up and Swordsman and Power Man are like, all right, let's fight him because the voice on the microphone told us to do that. So they fight Captain America. They throw him into the wall. Swordsman uses his Legend of Zelda full heart's power and blasts his sword at Captain America, who blocks it with his magical shield. Oh, wait, his shield's not Zelda, just the sword. Um, and then while they're doing that... Um, Somebody on the microphone starts telling 
Captain America that, hey, you're pretty cool, but you don't impress me because I can suck up cities and put them in bubbles and take them off of the planet. And if I do this, I'll be master of Earth. And here's a yellow bubble coming after you now. And Captain America's like, oh no, the prisoner hasn't even aired yet. And yet this giant floaty ball is coming after me. Um, and he gets sucked into the yellow ball and he turns around. Who is it? <gasps> it's you. And the mysterious person turns out to be next issue back from the dead. How, how, how did you know I was literally typing the prisoner into Wikipedia <laughs> to find out when it aired? It's a 1967 show. So it but airs. not till September. Right. I have it on my list of stuff to watch synced with our, our reading. So I will be reading it. I'll be watching it when we get to later 67. I've watched two of them. They are very interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those shows that um, the order of episodes is highly yes. debated. It's delicious how debated it is. And, and, and I decided to go with um, the KTEH one because I found the guy who did it on KTEH. I saw I found all the YouTube intros oh. of him explaining of him explaining the episode and why he picked it in that order. So I was like, well, that's great. I'm gonna watch this as a as an accessory. We should watch that. We should. They were pretty cool. We should do we should do minisodes. We could just do like commentary or something as we watch. Yeah. But that would be weird. I don't know if that would work. Anyway. Okay. Sorry, guys. We're just talking about random podcast ideas right here in the middle of a podcast. So yeah, this is basically the setup for the Winter Soldier, and then it's not that at all. No. So is this – I'm trying to remember. I'm just so used to Cap freaking out anytime Bucky is mentioned mm-hmm. or, or like teased in his face. But I'm trying to think of a story we've had in the past outside of Rick Jones and him flipping out on him. Like have we had any story where – anybody's used Bucky on him yet or is this no, I think this one? is the first big one that we've had yeah yeah I think so too and there are a couple more and I think there's an issue of the Avengers around like 58 maybe or 56 I think it's 56 I think it's right before the vision that kind of puts it to bed I guess the super adaptoid probably took on Bucky's form but he also took on 28 other people's form yeah yeah that's I true. don't remember yeah this is the first one where it's like potentially Bucky is alive mm-hmm. yeah that's a big deal and he's not wrong. Like, hey, I'm alive. Why couldn't he be alive? We were in the same missile. And the fact that um, now, I guess I, I don't want to spoil who it is. You probably know who it is at the last panel, right? I actually don't remember, and I don't think I bothered. I didn't want to look it up because I was just like, it's probably who you most suspect it is. <laughs> oh, actually, I do know who it is. Yeah, yeah. We, we'll leave it yeah, off yeah. for people who are reading along and don't know yet. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I've we've had a little bit of talk about spoilers from listeners and. Um, mm-hmm. There's no reason to actually spoil what's going to be revealed next issue, even though we know, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that person doesn't know, wouldn't know, that Bucky is still alive, even with the retcons that come later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most people didn't know, which was probably a good good thing to write in that story. Mm-hmm. Or else you'd start scratching your head and wondering why people didn't know. Do you think Power Man and Iron Man share an apartment now? Power Man and Iron Man, uh, Power Man so and Swordsman? They, so so Power Man and Swordsman and the Enchantress were all together fighting the Avengers last we saw them, right? Is that how they got together? They were both working for her, yeah. Yeah, and then they lost, and they got away? Um, Gosh, I don't remember these stories. Well, they were, putting, just, they were putting the Avengers in a bad light. I don't remember what happened with them at the end of all of that. Apparently they got away. Apparently. Or they got out of prison real fast, but yeah. But they're just together now. I'd like to think that they're boyfriends, and they have a place. 
um, and that this person, this mysterious malefactor, if you will, had just captured them while they were eating their Cheerios one morning. Well, it's evening. We're they're going out for burgers. The Avengers are so these these two are out for a walk in their um, supervillain Sunday best, and they got scooped up. I feel like. Because you kind of made fun of this, and I totally agree. Like, they're just fighting Cap because they're being told to fight Cap. But, like, I kind of feel like that Power Man's personality would lead lend towards that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. But I feel like Swordsman should question a little more, and he doesn't really. It's a story. He should be a bit more intelligent about it. Mm-hmm. But he's just been reduced to somebody with, with cool sword powers. Now, he has lots of Mandarin-installed devices, but his favorite one is the Legend of Zelda Full Heart Shitty Sword. <laughs> Because he was like, he was definitely a villain in his first Avengers appearance, but he also wanted to be an Avenger. And he was going about it badly and being a bad guy. But then I think also, didn't the Mandarin want him to blow them all up? And he's like, nah, I can't do that. Yeah. That's unfair to just kill them while they're sleeping. He has a bit more depth and complexity than these last couple of stories have given him. Yeah. And I went on about that back around Avengers 20. I really like Swordsman, but not because of Mm -hmm. this. No. He's just kind of a thug in this. But um, I don't have and a then, whole lot else to say about this, except yeah. for it's a cool fight. It well, looks really nice. It's a cool fight. It looks great. It's Gil Kane. It's a, is it our first Gil Kane Tales of Suspense Captain America? I think. But uh, 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 yeah, because it's mostly just a setup. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll see what they do with it next issue. But it's certainly a good setup. Um, now, Swordsman has a little teeny tiny mustache. It's hard. It's sometimes it just looks like over inking. But when they when you mm-hmm. when you get a close up look of his face, he has it. But you said first Gil Kane Captain America is Kill Gil Kane going to draw Captain America for a while? I don't know. I can't remember. I think this might just be a fill in for Kirby to give him the month off. It could be, and that's fine. I'm happy with Kirby. I feel like Gil Kane is all over the place with us right now. And it, is he just like the go the go to guy when someone can't finish something? He is doing a bunch of little spots here and there, and um, it's going to dry up soon. He's going to go back mm-hmm. to just DC for a while, and then he's going to come back. You know, full time. Yeah, he's like doing covers and somebody else's book, and I think he did Hulk for a little bit for us. And he does do the next chapter of this, whatever that's okay. Worth. So, okay, so he does a two parter. I don't know what Kirby is working on right now that might be taking up his time, but boy, not Strange Tales. <laughs> nope, not Strange Tales because Starenko is definitely the Strange Tales man now. So, what are we left with Kirby? We got Fantastic Four still. Fantastic Four and Thor. And he's doing Thor. You're right. Okay, so he's got two books. And he's not done with Captain America. He's just taking a couple months off. I think it's too early to be drawing uh, an annual because uh, it's only January. The annuals are five months yeah. away. Well, maybe he's just getting to the point where it's like, I'm a rock star around here now. I can go on vacation. Or maybe he just needs a little bit of breathing room to, to stay on his deadlines. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Kirby can get behind. Maybe. I don't want to speak blasphemy oh, out there, but you know. Do I have to talk about Strange Tales? Are we done with Tales of Suspense? You okay. have to talk about Strange Tales, sir. You do. <sighs> this might be weak for me. Let's see. Strange Tales 155. Um, no cover blurb. Interesting. It's called Death Trap, though. And now it's called A Mighty Marvel Spine-Chilling Suspense-Charged Super Thriller of Menace, Mayhem, and Mystery. Did I read that like that sounded? <laughs> okay. And now, before we begin, we'd like to introduce you to the Helicarrier's newest installation, the Fantastic Vortex Beam, the last word in space-age transportation. So, yeah, they show all that. Don't Yield, edited by Stan Lee, Marvel's James Bond, written and drawn by Jim Steranko, Marvel's Man Flint, lettered by Sam Rosen, Marvel's Secret Squirrel, Back Shield. Um, 
The Sinister Supreme Hydra has assumed the guise of S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Bronson, and now aboard the helicarrier, he prepares for the ultimate death stroke. Death stroke is still like so, 15 yeah, years away. He's totally. Okay, um, before you go on, though, you mm-hmm. read Don't Yield Back S.H.I.E.L.D. with the credits in between, because that's how it's written uh-huh. there. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go up to like the sense, automatic though. doors, uh-huh. and it's, this, it's like a circular label, and it says automatic caution door. Uh-huh. His caution's in the middle in like bold letters. It's automatic door, yes. but it's written on top and bottom. My brain always reads as automatic caution door. Uh, totally. That's what it is. Also on the first episode of The Walking Dead, when it says don't mm-hmm. open, dead inside, but the words are spread out on the two doors. So it also says mm-hmm. don't dead open inside. <laughs> <laughs> don't dead open inside. <laughs> well, if you're dead, don't open it. Right. Which is totally a thing they can do. Um, yeah. So it shows the big splash page of the vortex being, which is basically like – I don't know, two cylinders, two, I don't they're, care. They're, anyway. They're, it's, a, it's a Star Trek transporter, but without the dematerialization. They're getting beamed up by physically levitating stuff into the air. It's a yes. really weird image that took a while to figure out what was going on, but that gray cylinder, or the gray stripe down the middle is sucking up those platforms. So basically it's like an elevator, only way more dangerous. Right. So, okay. What's going on in this issue? Nick is yelling at people. There's a gun. Colonel Sanders has developed it. Um, what's the gun called? It's kind of important to know what it's called because I have to refer to it multiple times. Uh, it is a... I'm looking for it. Q-Ray. Q-Ray? Okay. So they developed this Q-Ray by this mysterious Colonel Sanders guy. Nick goes to sleep, but not really. He's got one eye open, the eye that works, because which is good because two Hydra guys... Claw, crawl into his room through the vent. So he wakes up and he fights them and he's like, how'd you two get in here? Um, and he ultimately wins. And then he's like talking to our usual guys, which is Gabe, Dum Dum, um, Jasper, and of course, Brosnan, who's now like his right-hand man. And Nick's like, we got to find how this is happening. And he leaves and Brosnan points a ring at Jasper and Gabe and Dum Dum and hypnotizes them. So, oh no. Nick goes to visit Colonel Sanders, who's working on the Q ray. And for some reason, the guy decides to attack Nick Fury. He like electrifies the area around the gun and. He gets orders from Supreme Hydra because he is secretly Annihilation oh. 47. Okay. And so he knocks Nick out, ties him to this big giant bomb thing. Nick wakes up in time to use a gadget to get out, and it blows up. Uh, the thing he's attached to blows up the autofac. Remember the autofac that never went anywhere? It's this giant computer that was going to figure out who the uh, Hydra agent was, and they decided the autofac was uh, picked the girl, even though that's not correct, because Brosnan messed with it. So, yeah, that's all blown up now, so we don't have to worry about the autofac anymore. Um, Nick is then attacked by... Agents of Hydra again, but no, not really, because they de- they unmask, and it's really Gabe, Dum Dum, and Jasper. And he's like, guys, you don't really want to do this, do you? And there's a scene of, like, Jasper struggling, kill Fury, kill Fury, kill Fury. But can he really do it? We'll see in a second, because it cuts to Colonel Sanders using the, the Q-Ray, and he attacks the Hydra or the uh, helicarrier. He's like, ha-ha. You guys thought I developed this for good reasons, but I developed it for bad reasons, and I'm going to kill all you bureaucrats and stuff. So he just starts shooting everywhere. But Nick jump, comes in through the skylight and puts it on overload, and he's like, you thought that 
you could hypnotize my guys into killing me, but no way that they would ever do that, even as much as you tried. Um, so off panel, they somehow got over it. So he gets to do a fist fight, and then the overload makes an explosion. Um, for a brief moment, there's this cool business where the helicarrier might crash and kill a bunch of people, but no, they fix that, barely an inconvenience. And then he finds, Nick finds, the unconscious body of Hydra's uh, daughter. You know the Supreme Hydra, the original Supreme Hydra had the daughter? Laura Brown. And he's like, Laura Brown. And he's like, hey, how come she's here? This is, are they trying to like suggest that she had something to do with this? Like this seems way too inconvenient. It's not adding up. So I don't understand. Meanwhile, he gets a call from the president and he says, I'm sorry, Nick, what's with all this going on? And you almost just crashing right now and killing everybody and stuff. I'm going to confine you to quarters. So S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of arrests him and puts him in his room. And next, trapped on Hydra Island. So what'd you think of this? It was cool-ish. Like, they're almost there. I feel like I feel like the art and story are going to get gelled at some point. And they just haven't quite done it yet. I feel like both were a step up. The story was a step up for the last couple of issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Stranko yeah. has ironed out a lot of the weirdness to his line work. Mm-hmm. It's not... And Kirby's gone. And Kirby's so completely gone. There is no Kirby in this issue. Mm-hmm. So he gets to do whatever he wants now. Mm-hmm. And he, he's doing uh, more and more stuff. And you can tell stuff. that. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some definitely some Steranko trademarky things going on in this, design-wise. Right. There's stuff that feels like it would work really well on screen. You know, multiple panel progressions that are, like, zooming in or something. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Steranko just has thoughts on what you can do with a comic book layout that are unlike a mm-hmm. lot of what we've seen lately. Mm-hmm. Um... I like it. I think like there's like way too many secret spies who have somehow infiltrated Shield. Like they need to knock. They need to lock this down a little better. Like one was one thing, but now they've got. Is that because Brosnan is letting them in? I guess you could say the Hydra agents are because Brosnan is letting them in. But what about the guy who develops the Q ray? He had to have been working with Shield for some time. Yeah, so he's you know? somehow subverted or or you know working against Shield now. Since Bronson has this hypnotizer ray. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Even the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that attack Fury in his sleep could have been, I'm sorry, even the Hydra agents that attack Fury in his sleep could have been hypnotized S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, where they're right. all getting the Hydra hoods, I don't know. <laughs> he just, he brought a whole bunch. Yeah, because he does dress up uh, Dumb Dumb Gabe and Jasper. He had a lot of luggage. One suitcase was his clothes. Five suitcases yeah. were Hydra hoods. Maybe there's Hydra prisoners on board the helicarrier, but that seems unlikely. Page five is the conference, and I love this because first, Gabe Jones serves up the dramatic irony. Those Hydra mm-hmm. guys are plenty smart. Only a fool under racist enemy. I wouldn't be half surprised if one of them was in this very room. And two panels right. later is, is Bronson driving the nail home. There's always a first time doing it. Besides, you're forgetting the girl still hasn't been found. Artifact did name her as the Supreme Hydra, you know. I'm not the Supreme Hydra yeah. at all. It was her. I think, well, I mean, he obviously doesn't because he's already uh, questioning. He's, he, Nick says multiple times this issue, it doesn't add up. He never believes it was Laura. But, but I don't think Nick in the history of ever would put his money behind an autofac. Ever. No. Like any, like he, he's just more of a hunch guy and a human guy. He's not going to believe a computer. He is definitely the Captain Kirk kind of guy that if you're going to tell a story where he has to trust a computer, it's all going to go south in the end, and he's going to try to be right. The uh-huh. computer's going to turn out to be wrong. 
Yeah, and and just like Captain Kirk, he destroys the artifacts. So. Mm-hmm. And there's, well, I guess he doesn't. But there's a weird element that doesn't seem to go anywhere, at least not yet. But he mentions how this the explosion was completely silent, uh-huh. and that whatever the bomb was was absorbing the sound of the explosion. Is that just like a science thing for us to not wonder why everybody on the ship didn't scream in pain and like have bleeding ears or something? That could be. That seems like too much trouble. Or is it because he didn't want he we're it's part of the story that nobody comes to his rescue really at this point either. Like everybody would have heard the explosion. All these people that are in the other room about to die from the Q laser. Yeah. Q beam. Yeah. So they would have heard the explosion and gone like, "What's going on?" So I think it's just a write off that like n- nobody on the helicarrier notices that this all happened. Um, Fury does give us a possible explanation of where the Hydra agents came from, but I, I still like my idea of them being hypnotized people. He says on top of page nine, the Q-ray machine, I said it was bigger than a horse and it didn't know how close I was mm. to the truth. A Trojan horse, that fake professor must have smuggled those two Hydra finks aboard inside that gizmo. Okay. They just brought Professor, um, mm-hmm. Doofenshmirtz at the beginning of mm-hmm. this episode in the, in the vortex beam. So... He was literally mm-hmm. just brought on board, which is how he, which is how that particular bad guy got on. Yeah, it doesn't really add up. But uh, I really hate, don't hate, but this is what I'm talking about, like how they're not quite nailing these stories yet. Like, I think it's a shame that off-panel, apparently, they get over the hypnosis somehow. Um, maybe that, maybe that's just for drama. I don't think we actually see them get over it. No, but they're not. They don't kill him. Well, there's the whole you can't hit to tie somebody to kill, right? Uh-huh. They'll 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 try to obey. When he says when you you outsmarted yourself when you thought you could use my own men against me. Now that doesn't say that they got over it. No, and that and I that guess. last time we see them, page nine, all of their eyes are crazy. It's actually a really cool little yeah. small art. So they're So but how else did he live then? The, to me it's a common trope in hypnosis. If you hypnotize somebody, you can't make them kill mm-hmm. against their will. Yeah. Now, hypnosis doesn't really work at all like it does in stories, but, you know, still. Blood control. Blood control. I haven't seen blood control for years. <laughs> we were literally just talking about that episode earlier. You can hypnotize um, somebody, but you can't hypnotize them to death. Yeah. Um, that said, I that this is where Starenko shines is these two panels on page nine where, like, Jasper's struggling mm-hmm. with what he wants to do versus what he's being told to do. That's really cool. And definitely a Starenko-style panel there. That um that fading blackness behind Sitwell, mm-hmm. is that a physical mesh that they put on the page? I feel like mm, I've heard either that, or it's some sort of ink wash or something. Okay, I feel like I've heard there's a name for like crosshatch patterns like that. But... Oh, um, I think it's like called zip paper or something. But that's zipatone. For... Zipatone, yeah, that's for like. Uh... I don't think that's zipatone. But I, I don't never know. really fully understood what zipatone was, and so I was wondering if that was it. But you're saying it's not. I think it's not. Okay. I think it's just an ink wash. But Zipatone was like really popular with guys like John Byrne and 80s and stuff. Okay. And I think it's like, I think it's something you actually have to cut out and put on the paper. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. When we get to the 1980s, yeah. you'll have to show it to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I understand holding the CO responsible for what happens on board a ship, but confining the director of the entire freaking organization to quarters mm-hmm. because. The hydra, I mean, the helicarrier started to go down. Uh-huh. He fixed it. He stopped it from going down. But now he's yeah, he did his job. But now he's been confined to quarters. All that seems really unreasonable. It not only unreasonable but unproductive because like now who's going to be directing 
them putting their stuff back in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who's going to stop it the next time and, they try to go down? Right. And if there is still a mole on there, like who's going to stop that? And, you know, see, we don't really follow up on the hypnotized guy. So, yeah, that's maybe my one big boo on the stories. Maybe we'll but find maybe out next talk. issue that they're still hypnotized. We they will. couldn't shoot Fury, but they're still under the control. Or they're back in the the med room or whatever. Right. Fighting, fighting with Dum Dum about eating yogurt or something. Um, I do like that last panel as uh, Fury's being led away. You've got the Hydra goon like floating in the background over him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a cool idea. I like that. Yeah, we're definitely getting in there. I bet. I bet within by the end of this year, I bet you this this Nick Fury stuff is going to be pretty awesome. Hope so. Because this is like the era, right? That's 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 the reputation it has. All right, the Starenko lifts this up, mm-hmm. and then whenever it gets its own series, it's like you've got to read that series if you want to read Shield. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping. Which I never have. So have I. Okay. Speaking of up, um, let's do the opposite, I guess. Doctor Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, the fearful finish. Last issue, our startled eyes beheld the unspeakable Umar as she hurled a spell of death across the infinite void to where Clea, Clea is imprisoned. But even as the deadly blast hurdles towards its helpless victim, a desperate Doctor Strange also moves with the speed of thought. You remember all that too? Yeah, so do I. Thank God for captions. It all happened we literally in the to... last panel of the last story. <laughs> we, we urge you to read the awesome announcement as quickly as possible. Oh, true believers, a mystic Marvel masterwork. Hey, Marvel masterwork. By Stan Lee and Mary Severin, lettered by Artie Semek. Because a wealth of enthralling enchantment awaits thee, and not a wondrous word is to be missed. Liars. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, he moves at the speed of thought. And she's like floating there about to be killed. And he like whisks in front of her and does a Hadouken or something. And like it knocks her beam back at her, knocks her on her butt and, butt, and she's like, whoa. And then finally Clea speaks and says something like, thanks for saving me. He's like, but we have not finished yet, token victim. Let's go. And so now they spend the entire issue trying to get back. And it's just a bunch of bobbledy bobble magic stuff. At some point, like he's following a path that leads him into himself. So it's like a time travel problem or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he tries to avoid that. And then, like, at some point, they're on this weird mountain thing that, like, reaches up the, the ground, reaches up to grab him. So he uses a fire ring and gets out. And then he reaches out mentally to the ancient one. And he's like, oh, my, my subordinate, my, what is it? My, not my mentor. What's the opposite of mentor? My apprentice. My apprentice needs my help. So he reaches out with his own mind and creates like this linked path, this magic link path for for uh, Doctor Strange and Clea to follow. And they make it back. Yay. And then Doctor – or the Ancient One – what is this thing called? It's kind of important, but I forget what it's called. The Spell of Vanishment. Mm-hmm. It's a scroll. The ancient one has this scroll called the Spell of Vanishment. He's like, I'm going to use this and doctors to make to like make Clea disappear off of Umar's radar, I guess. And Doctor Strange is thinking to himself, this is the worst spell in the world. Anybody who casts a spell risks death, and you can only cast it one time. And blah blah blah. And he probably shouldn't cast it, um, but he casts it. And then he attacks Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is like, what? What are you attacking me for? Did he make Clea go away or did he make Umar go away? He made Clea Gosh, go away. I don't really know. All right. He made Clea go away so that Umar can't find her anymore and use her as 
as a bait or whatever. But then he attacks Doctor Strange out of nowhere. He's like, why Why are you attacking me? He's like, because she's going to come after you next and I can't have that either. Um, so I'm going to make you disappear because I know she's coming. Pretty soon, Umar walks the earth. So to be continued, he's banished Doctor Strange and I guess he's going to take her on himself or something. Yeah, you can't stay in this universe because yeah. you'll perish because Umar walks the earth. So I guess it's another case of you're not strong enough to fight the person that you're going to have to be strong enough to defeat. Never, never mind, you've already been fighting her this whole time. But yeah, okay. I, I didn't get the end. I, I wrote down I in my, my notes, I don't get this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's already proven that he can do just as good as the Ancient One. So it's kind of weird that all of a sudden the Ancient One's like, oh no, you're still a student, get out of here. The Mystic Scroll is I mean, yours no more. I send you not to the nameless nowhere, which has since claimed Clea, but still you can't stay here. Doesn't explain why. You must go to New Jersey. New Jersey. That's where he's going to go. She'll never look for you there. If I were to caption the opening splash page, it would be faster than a speeding magic. Yep. Also, he looks like, I don't know, like a like a, the Banshee or something there. I don't know what's going on. Now, not a, not a single one of you listening to this podcast has ever written in and said, how dare you, Doctor Strange is my favorite. So I don't feel that bad about just not liking these stories that much and sort of blowing my way through them. It's it's kind of amazing how close our brains were to that exact thought. Because I was just thinking, man, I, I feel bad that we always diss on mm-hmm. Doctor Strange. Because I know that there are fans of Doctor Strange out there. And I want to be liking Doctor Strange more than I am. I'm just... I'm just mm-hmm. not. Not. He is our new Human Torch. Yeah. Yeah. Except I think I'd rather read Human Torch. I don't know that I'd go that far. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't magic. Yeah. Human Torch never said Vishanti. So. Marie Severin, I like her look and her style mm. more than the art we had. But I don't think her storytelling is there yet. Um, cause she literally just gives, like you said, it's just a bunch of magical shenanigans. Yeah. But to be fair, it was before too. Kind of. Yeah. But it's like, we're going to go from point A to point B and uh Oh, along the road, there's uh, a hole to fall in. There's a tree that attacks us. There's, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, mm-hmm. there's no story there. There's just plot. Mm. Right. Right. And again, I think it's always been like that, but it's just getting worse. And I don't know if it's getting worse because Ditko at least had some sort of charm about how he did that. Mm-hmm. Or or maybe it's just getting worse because it's we're just getting tired and we can't endure anymore. It was somewhat interesting initially because it was new. I don't know. So this is either Doctor Strange or X-Men by end of year when you tell me my count of least favorite things. Yeah. I bet you. I bet you that's my prediction. We'll see. Um and we don't know what our next X-Men issue is going to be like, because it's actually a couple of episodes away. It's going to be X-Men versus El Dorito or something. No. Is it? No. It's not El Dorado, <laughs> is it? No, I don't know. It's not a mutant, I'll tell you that. Okay, well. I'm just guessing. I really have no idea. And I think we're going back to the Factor 3 story. I think the artist had his issue off in issue 30. And we're going back to that storyline okay. in issue 31. I could be wrong. Um, all right. So here's the thing with Clea. They're going to use the spell of vanishment, which can mm-hmm. only be cast once. And it's going to send right. her someplace where nobody can get to her and they can't mm-hmm. get her back. Mm-hmm. So how is that different than killing her? 
I don't know. I mean, obviously it's different. It, from- and it shows a picture of her along with whoever else has been a victim of the spell just floating in nothingness. Right. Unconscious. So I, I feel like. Eternal unknown. You're just like sending her to the next dimension. I think he did kill her. That totally straight up looks like, you know, where Sirius Black went or something. Mm-hmm. It's just floating death. That's true. That's exactly what that looks like. I don't know. So that is weird. But then he does it again with Doctor Strange, even though they just said he couldn't use it. Well, he's, he, does, he does something else with Doctor Strange. He's like, I can't use that spell, uh, but also you can't stay here. So we're going to do something to you. And I guess we'll find out more about that next issue. I guess he's more powerful than Doctor Strange, though, because he just like totally slaps him around. And I'm kind of digging Severin's rendition of the Ancient One. Mm-hmm. The, all the all the uh, Asian stereotypiness to his look is completely gone. He's just got, you know, the flowy beard. He looks way more male than I thought, though. Yeah? Yeah. I thought he was a female. Oh, in the movie. No. Oh, that's right. I, I'm really ready to get off of this and do some, some Spider-Man. <laughs> is that okay? Yes, please. Okay, okay. Craven! At least we saved the best for last, probably. Have you been craving some Spider-Man? Because I have. Oh. Um, we open with a splash page of Spider-Man fighting Craven as the Green Goblin looks on. Worry not, Frantic One, if this tantalizing tableau makes you feel as though you've just walked in at the middle of a movie. That's the whole idea. It's supposed to arouse your interest, excite your curiosity, titillate your thirst for dot, 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 the unexpected. However, now that we've got you to read this far, we'd better admit that it's actually a flashback scene showing an incident that occurred just a few months ago while the Green Goblin was still flying high. So let's join the party and see what's shaking, sweetie, in the hands of the hunter. A swinging, super special Spidey Saga by Stan Lee and John Romita, abetted and letted by Sam Rosen. All right, so in the flashback... Last time Craven and Spider-Man fought, turns out Craven was fighting Spider-Man that day because the Green Goblin had hired him to do it. It was going to pay him some money. I don't know, $20,000 or something. So um, the the spokesman for the Green Goblin comes and confirms the plan with Craven. And Craven, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Craven lost the fight in the first part of the issue. So the spokesman comes mm-hmm. to Craven and says, hey. Um, you better, you better actually do this or we're not going to give you any money. And Craven's like, well, I want half now. And spokesman's like, Psh, no. So the spokesman leaves and Craven's like, I'm going to follow the spokesman and I'll wait until he meets up with the Green Goblin. So he goes to the spokesman's house and sits there for like, I don't know, three weeks or something. And the Green Goblin never shows up. He's like, why didn't this guy ever meet the Green Goblin? I'm going to go look and, okay, I don't see the Green Goblin anywhere. I guess they're not meeting. And spokesman is Norman Osborn. So the reason, of course, that he didn't go to meet the Green Goblin is because he is the Green Goblin, kids. Shh, don't tell Craven. Okay. What? So we get the rest of the story from issue 37 or whatever it was where um, Spider-Man and Green and Craven fight and he webs up Craven at the end and Craven gets caught by the police. Then take our uh, timetable forward a little bit. Craven gets out of jail and finds out that Green Goblin died in a fire. And he's like, I need that money. So he um, punches over a filing cabinet and starts walking down the sidewalk. Going to get my money, going to get my money, going to get, going to get, going to get my money. Meanwhile, um, Anna Watson and Aunt May are helping May move into her new home. Mary Jane comes over to help, but instead she just jazzes to some tunes. 
Um, Aunt May calls Peter. They talk on the phone. Uh, Peter's new uh, roommate, Harry Osborne's dad, shows up. Remember Harry Osborne's dad? Harry Osborne's dad's a character named Norman Osborne. We met him a few issues back. Norman Osborne walks in, is like, hey! And they meet Peter Parker, and Peter shakes hand and thinks the whole time about how this is really the Green Goblin, if only Harry knew. Uh, Craven goes to Norman Osborne's office, and she's like, yeah, Norman Osborne just left to go on a trip to Europe. You're going to have to wait till he gets back. Who's calling? And uh, he's like, he's out of town, huh? So um, he decides that he's going to go after um, Norman Osborn's son with his new lion vest nipple lasers. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Oh, yeah. That's what he I has. know you're not kidding. <laughs> so um, let's see. Then over at Empire State University, they're getting ready for Flash's big send-off party. Gwen Stacy's making arrangements. Peter and Harry show up, and Gwen's like, "Hey, how's it going?" And Peter makes a couple of of uh, lines at Gwen, and Gwen's like, "Yeah, you meet with Mary Jane tonight." And Peter's like, "Oh man, now that I like Gwen, she's all about Mary Jane being around. She won't give me a tumble." Um, he doesn't say that because if anybody ever said give me a tumble, somebody might take it the wrong way. Um, <laughs> Anyways, so um, Peter slides over to the Daily Bugle. He sees Ned and Betty's like, hey, remember Flash Thompson back in high school? And Betty's like, yeah, I went to high school. I know Flash Thompson. Like, well, he's going to go fight in the war. So, you know, are you going to come say goodbye? They're like, sure, we'll be at the party. No problem. Uh, Peter says hi to J. Jonah Jameson. J. Jonah Jameson is talking on the phone to John Jameson. John says hi to Peter. Uh, Peter asks for Jonah's money for these photos. And P- Jonah says, okay, here's some money. Craven goes to the Osborne Mansion busts inside and finds Jeeves. And Jeeves says, no, the master's not here. He's he's on a business trip out of town. And Craven's like, I'm going to trash this place because I want Norman Osborne. So Peter and Harry are getting ready for the party. They're putting on their best clothes because they want to impress their ladies. We get one of the most iconic Silver Age scenes of all of Spider-Man history. It's the swinging silver spoon send-off for Flash Thompson, Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane are both in their Ramita drawn female best. Uh, they all show up at the party. Everyone's like, wow, look at those gals. Harry and Peter sure are lucky. And Flash is like, I'm going to go and beat the entire war on my own. Peter actually does dancing with Mary Jane. Mary Jane is supposed to be helping with the burgers. And Gwen Stacy's like, fine, if she's not going to burger, I'm not going to burger. And Gwen Stacy starts dancing and sends every uh, straight man and gay woman's hormones through the roof because she's a fantastic dancer. Then Craven crashes the party. If you value your lives, don't anyone move. The son of Norman Osborne is here and I want him. Um, I'm doing a, you know, somewhat Russian accent, even though we don't know that he's Russian. We find that out like in the, in the 1980s, but you know, Craven the hunter, he's, he's Russian because he's from Africa. Um, seems legit. So Harry Osborne's there. Craven captures Harry Osborne because he's the son of Norman Osborne. Peter's like, why is he capturing Harry Osborne? I don't know. Hey, y'all, I want to go um, call the police. And he goes and changes to Spider-Man. Um, outside of the Silver Spoon is a construction site with lots of girders and framework. And so Craven carries Harry up there and Spider-Man's there and they start fighting. Um, Harry gets dropped and Flash catches him. Betty's like, Ned, there's so much danger, but if you're going to face it, 
I'll face it with you because I'm in growth. And um, J. Jonah Jameson is at the paper. Ned Charles in the, calls in the story. And Jonah's like, no, I'll be there myself. You know, Norman Osborne and I, we were in the club together. And so uh, Jonah Jameson and Frederick Foswell get their coats and they head to the Silver Spoon. Craven fights Spider-Man. And um, Norman Osborn is at the um, airport and finds out that uh, Craven's captured his son. So he hops in the cab, misses his flight and drives back to the Silver Spoon. Craven shoots his nipple lasers at Spider-Man. And Spider-Man says, I feel awkward that this is happening. Awkward enough that he lets Craven get in a few hits. And he's all, you know, dazzled by the hits. Norman Osborn shows up, says Craven's, and Craven's like, ah, yes, the agent of the Green Goblin. I'm going to get my money. And he ropes up Norman Osborn. He pulls him up to the girders and says, hey, you work for the Green Goblin. Where's my money? And Norman says, What's a green goblin? I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'll do anything. Just don't hurt my son. And Craven's like, I can tell when people are lying. You better, you, you're lying. I'm sorry. He says, you're not lying. I don't know why I did it the wrong way just now. I can tell if anyone's lying and you're <laughs> not lying. You're telling the truth. You somehow, even though I know that you are the one who said you worked for the green goblin, somehow you have no idea what's going on. Ah, I'm so confused. I've got to go work out my future plans for my life. And Craven runs off. Meanwhile, he drops Norman Osborn off the side of the cliff. Um, the, the, the girders, Spider-Man swings down and snags him, does not web him and snap his neck. Oh no, he's going to save that for another encounter with Norman Osborn. Um, and uh, Norman is fine. Harry is fine. Everyone is very grateful to Spider-Man for his help, except for J. Jonah Jameson, who wants to blame Spider-Man for everything. And every single person in the story says, Jonah, shut up. <laughs> um, Peter runs back to the party, says, hey, I tried to tried to get the police, but I, I couldn't find a... No, he, I'm sorry, he didn't use the police this time. He used his camera as an excuse this time. He's like, I couldn't find a store to rent a camera and I didn't have my own. So I missed the whole thing. Aw, shucks. And MJ's like, yeah, it was a real gasser, Petey. And uh, I guess they're, they're all like, I guess that was the, the goodbye party that you wanted flash. So, um, be super memorable, huh? And flash goes off to fight in Vietnam. And Peter's like, you know, flash Thompson, he's still a schmuck, but you know, maybe he's actually a good guy and he's going to go fight in the war. Now he should be back. Mm -hmm. Because the good guys always win, don't they? Mm -hmm. Next, the wings of the vulture. No! <laughs> okay, I didn't go back and look okay. at just all the details of how it doesn't work, but I know that the retcon for this issue doesn't work with the previous Craven story at all. How much is... I was lazy too. Boy, we're both just really lazy for this show. But how much is this... A retcon. Was Green Goblin at all involved in that previous He was story? not. In fact, I mentioned it to you at the time. I don't know if you remember, but I was like, would okay. you believe me if I told you that Craven was doing all this because the Green Goblin paid him money to? And you're like, what? Okay. okay. That's what I thought. Like, I wasn't sure if it was just the part where he stalks him about being Harry Osborn or if it was the whole thing. And it's the whole thing. Okay. It strikes me very uncraven-like that he cares so much about money in this issue. It is a little bit unusual. But you do need money, I guess. I guess you need money, but he's always like, I want to take on 
He was a very famous guy. I guess he's not. Now he's a criminal, but like he was taking on Spider-Man for the challenge of it because mm-hmm. he's a hunter. So this whole, I need 50000 give me my money, $2. I need my $2. Give me $2. There's $2,000. Yeah. $2,000. Yeah, it doesn't work. Kind of weird. Didn't dig it. Um, I liked going back and like using Norman Osborn's connection to the Green Goblin in a way that doesn't say Norman Osborn could be turning into the Green Goblin. Like it, it, is, it doesn't you do that with the story, but you know, it still uses the connection. Well, and it was nice to see, even in a flashback that was retconned, like the Harry, the Norman Osborn Green Goblin connection, because they don't really talk about it that much since it happened. Only every time Norman Osborn's in the room, but not between them. Well, yeah, but I don't feel like we've seen him a lot until the, this issue. We've seen him more than ever. But like there was even that one time where Pete was thinking about not Green Goblin at all when he was interacting with Harry, and it was just weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it was cool to get that going, to have Norman Osborn back and them talking about the Green Goblin again. And then, of course, this traumatic event is probably going to lead to Norman like getting his memory back. I'm just making that up. I really have no idea if that's true. But it is true, because if you look on the last page, he obviously remembers that he's Green Goblin now. It's <laughs> over. It's just, it's all coming back to him. So Okay, so I've got, that's I've cool. got issue 34 open in front of me, just so I can kind of see, you know, what's going on there. Um, Mm -hmm. this is one where, okay, so Craven was in the jungle and decided that he's going to go and get Spider-Man because Spider-Man's the only person who ever beat him. Yeah. That's why he came back. And he was fighting that lion and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He goes to the chameleon's old hideout because they had teamed up Mm -hmm. and they're brothers, Mm -hmm. but we don't know that yet. Uh Uh-huh. Um, he does confront Spider-Man twice, but the first one's just a tease. And he doesn't lose the fight and then have to go and, like, talk to Green Goblin. Right. He just says, yeah. hey, I've beaten you before. I'm going to beat you again. And he, he like, mm-hmm. sneaks away. It was like a psycho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seemed a lot more Craven than this. That's for sure. And then there's a, there's a big fight with Craven that takes a lot of pages. It was the one big complaint about that issue is that there's a lot of green of, of fighting Craven pages in that. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was one of the last solid, you know, or at least, you know, probably the strongest of the last few issues of that Ditko run. Well, so once again, like a lot of Spider-Man comics, to me, the villain was the least interesting thing maybe about this. I liked all the Norman Osborn connection stuff. I kind of just miss Craven as being horribly out of character, and hopefully he figures it out Mm -hmm. later next time he's around, like that he doesn't care about money because he has a lion outfit and all he needs is a reason to kill something. This is our first um, issue of Peter and Harry living together. I mean, Peter moved in last time, and now they're mm-hmm. roommates. And it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time Peter has met Norman. The- yeah, not really, but but you know, it's the first time. as far as everybody else is concerned. Right, as far as Norman's yeah. concerned, it's the yeah. first time they've met, which is a really big deal because I mean, Norman Osborn's place in the business world kind of gets expanded and like inflated as time goes along right now he's just the big guy in a, in an industrial corporation but um peter knows who he is but only like from a distance mm-hmm. later it's like norman osborne of oscorp it becomes like the lex luthor of marvel and i've complained in the past that like i think maybe they wrapped up the green goblin thing too fast and they should have had peter interacting with harry and even norman for a while before it's revealed mm-hmm. and then, then it would have more weight. But I actually kind of think it's working 
dramatically backwards too. Like now he's meeting them and interacting with them all for the first time with this secret. Yeah. That only he knows. That's kind of cool. It's working. It would have all changed if Peter and Harry and Norman had interacted when Norman hated Peter. And like like in the first Spider-Man film, you know, the Raimi film. Mm-hmm. But then after beating Green Goblin, Norman lost his memory and had to like meet Peter all over again or something. That would be weird. Well, what was cool about that Raimi film is that at first they neither one of them knew each other and Norman was all about Peter, which kind of made Harry jealous because he thought Peter was cool because he was a self-made man and was into science. That's right. And then even once Norman figured out that Peter was Spider-Man, he did try and recruit him because he still liked Mm -hmm. him. Like, why don't you be a bad guy with me? We can like, with your powers and my powers, we could do all kinds of cool stuff together. So, but yeah, this is working. I like this whole, like, like Harry and Norman have zero idea that Peter knows something that's awkward. Yeah. (laughs) Basically. Definitely. As awkward as Craven's, Nipple lasers, because that is totally what I thought, too. Now, I think there's supposed to be heat vision eye beams coming out of the lion's eyes. Yes, they're lion eye beams. But they don't look like that at all. It is a really bad idea. Bad design. And again, I feel kind of out of character for Craven because why would he have lasers? It's just weird. It is a weird thing for Craven. yeah. Honestly, Craven uses stuff to his advantage to give himself an unfair advantage in a fight. Uh, when he's like, I've beaten them. It's it's like, well, because you've used yeah. tricks and stuff to to make yourself cooler. Yeah, you wrestled a lion but to the ground. Always, you've drugged a lion to the ground. But it's always hunter stuff, right? And I don't think laser eyes or laser nipples is really that's true. Hunter, it's not really on theme. It doesn't feel like it's not. It's not a potion that messes up your nervous system like you used in the first time around. No, right? Or a big giant net, or a spear, or a sword, or a gun, right? Or any of that. I I can't put my finger on it. But I feel like inviting Ned and Betty to Flash's party is weird. Well, for one thing, it's not your party to invite people to. But mm-hmm. I don't know what the etiquette is on stuff like that. It just seems odd to invite someone to a party that's not yours. Well, it's a surprise party, but Gwen's the one. You're right. Gwen's the one throwing it, not Peter. Yeah, it wasn't at her house or anything. So I guess you could say it's a public place and anybody can come, if I guess, if they want to. But. And maybe since Peter is the only one of all the college kids who knew Flash, that maybe... She entrusted him to do some inviting. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. Like, we haven't really associated Betty with their high school. Right. Or anything. Honestly, we've never had it said on page that she went to their high school. It's just one of those things that's kind of been accepted over time that probably happened. uh, So from a story point of view, was there any consequence or anything for her being there? Or was she just there because she was there? I think she was literally just there to get, like, all of the supporting cast teens in one place. She did have that moment where Ned wanted to go phone it in, and she's like, no, stay oh. here. I'm freaking out and having a panic attack, and I don't want you to be like Peter, who was always running away all the no, time. No, she didn't do that. She said, "She said I'll go. I'll face it with you. Oh, okay. Well, either way, she was having a- uh, Well, yeah, putting, getting them invited to the party- If there's danger, we'll share it together. Right. Getting them invited to the and party puts how, Ned on yeah. site to call Jonah and Craven arising. It's Jonah on the- Okay, so- Sir, uh, Peter inviting go. them does actually have story repercussions. And she thinks about a relationship with Peter at that point and how, like, that was one of the things that bothered her all the time is he would always take off and she'd be worried about him doing his dangerous photography. Mm-hmm. So now they're going to be arm in arm, she and Ned, I guess, wherever they go. Page nine has one of the most iconic diptychs in this probably whole era with the Gwen and the Mary Jane images mirroring each other. And what did you call that? A diptych. It's a... It's an artistic term for two separate 
works, but that like go side by side to make a larger work. Like a triptych mm. is three of them, a diptych is two of them. I'll tell you this, man. And here's the sexist portion of our show for this evening from me. But if I was a teenager or younger reading Spider-Man and like, boy, this is who Peter gets to pick mm-hmm. from. This is this is a dream come true and he's my hero. So, yeah, I can see that really working. But one of the things that, that made Ramita a draw to bring on this book is that he'd been doing all the romance work. He's doing romance work mm-hmm. for Marvel for mm-hmm. years. And, and he makes them look yeah. good. Yep. Yep. Um, so we, we've got this whole, you know, Betty and Veronica is what it's often compared to era where it's Peter and, you know, having to choose between Gwen and MJ. Mm. And mm-hmm. so bringing in an artist who can, you know, draw the romance and make it look glamorous is definitely a good choice. Now, I still feel like for those, I'm mean, not to be talking about art much, but for those who are following along with our show, I don't feel like she's a very Amazing looking Gwen Stacy, but I don't feel like she's the quintessential Ramita Gwen Stacy I think of when I think of Gwen Stacy yet. She still seems yeah, off. Yeah, she's, she's on the road, kind though. Of. This Gwen Stacy looks very different from issue 30s Gwen Stacy, but she's not there oh, yet. Oh, yeah. She's not there yet. She's wearing the bandana, the hairband now and stuff, but she's still a little not girl next door mm-hmm. looking or something. I don't know how to explain it. Um, but yeah, this is a hugely iconic scene. Uh, oh, it's great. This kind of dynamic gets flashed back to in, in, you know, later tales all the time, even though it never really happens on the page more than once or twice. And the silver spoon mm-hmm. is actually a relatively short, you know, span of time in Spider-Man lore, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but it's memorable. People who read this remember yeah. it. And at least it got a name, unlike Avengers hot dog hamburger stand that we never even got to right? see. Damn it. <laughs> I'm going to, that's really going to bother me. I want to, I want to know if that hamburger stand ever shows up again. Maybe anywhere. this is the hamburger. Maybe they go across the street to the silver spoon. <laughs> Wouldn't that be crazy if across the street from this was the Avengers mansion? I oh, don't know. Dude, dude, it's the same day. Yeah. yeah. So where at are the, they? At this party over in the background are a couple, are sure. some other pa- patrons. Yeah. And um, the Avengers in <laughs> their cities are here getting some hamburgers. <laughs> and they're just like, ah, it's Craven. Ah, Spider-Man's got yes. it. That's cool. Let's just go they back. They start to move and Spider-Man shows up. They're like, okay, <laughs> let's, is- let's see what the kid can do. Uh, this guy's a little below our pay grade. Let's get out of right, here. He's just cadd up some kid. We don't really care. Yeah. Um, I found it highly amusing, the whole... MJ not helping with the serving and then <laughs> and then and then uh Gwen like saying fine if she's not going to go to can play at that game and then like competing over the boys' attention basically with dancing. Right. I thought that was great. I don't know if I'm supposed to think that was great. Like sometimes I wonder if like, uh, is this a bad bad thing for them to be happening? But I don't care. You know what? In the history of the world, there have definitely been women competing with each other yeah. at some point. No, I- so whatever. Yeah. Totally get it. Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane are not in a position to be like really good friends. They're from two totally no. separate walks of life. Gwen Stacy's a college student. Mary Jane's out there working and trying to get her acting and modeling career off the ground. Um, it's just they both happen to intersect with Peter. Not in the way that he wants to, I'm sure. But they both happen to intersect with Peter. And I have decided, and I hadn't really noticed this in previous read I think I've said it before, but Mary Jane is here. As a distraction. Ramita. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Romita wants Peter to get together with Gwen Stacy. He's going to get together with Gwen Stacy. It's just Romita's like doing this little detour along the way. And from a character point of view, while Mary Jane does come across as kind of aloof and free spirited and whatever's clever, mm-hmm. you know, she also seems like a character who would who really likes attention and likes to be the center Mary of the Jane? room. Definitely. Yeah. When she comes in, when she comes in, she wants everybody to look at her and notice her. So and Conversely, I think Gwen was kind of the the talk of the college, you know, until all of a sudden this MJ starts coming around. So it makes sense that they're both jealous of each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, women being like she had she had all the boys and they'd all tumbled with her or whatever the heck that means. <laughs> We're still debating on that one. But like and now all of a sudden there's this MJ that turns all these heads. And so it's like, oh, so, yeah, competition. Yeah. I and I, I, not, I honestly never having been a woman. And never having been like somebody that was widely considered to be attractive, I don't know how much that dynamic actually exists of like, I'm getting all the attention, but now there's this other person getting attention and I don't like that beyond stories. I, but I think it you exists. think it exists? I think I think women hate each other sometimes. <laughs> I'm a total stereotype what I just said, but I've just observed that. I don't know. Obviously, well, stereotypes are only partly true, but they are sometimes true in some ways. That's why they exist. They're, they're based but, on somebody's experiences, right? Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I think. I, I just have, I've, I've often heard it be moaned, you know, we have these two women in the story, so of course they can't get along. Right. But then you're right. There's there's often a lot of drama between, especially younger, more, um, use the word hormonal and just like an adolescent still learning how to be yourself kind of way. Um, those dramas tend to run high. I mean, I, I, these kids aren't middle school, but I teach middle school and- Girls are weird sometimes. There was some comedian, and I wish I could credit him because I don't know the name, but like the joke was something like, you know, guys go to school and if they have a disagreement, they argue or they fight and then it's kind of over. And like when a woman, when the females go to school and they come home and it's like, how is your taste? Like she's trying to ruin me, you know, <laughs> like it's just a whole nother level of, of epic drama that, and again, this might just be sexist because, of course, it's on a case-by-case basis and there's probably people out there who don't fit that mold. But I just think – And we definitely don't ever want to say – It's a little bit true. Yeah. We don't want to come across as like Sometimes. as like painting a brush on an entire gender. But we're trying to figure out like what are the experiences that lead people to tell these stories? Obviously, they're being written by men who, you know – That's the other problem. Right. Yeah. So there's always going to be some slant there. But how much mm-hmm. does this sort of thing actually happen? We, we can only yeah. We can only guess. Um, yes. but anyway, it made me yeah, laugh. Definitely. So definitely. Whether it was right to laugh or not, I don't know, but it was a funny scene to me. A lot of times I'll be reading this books to Keenan and Frederick Foswell will show up and Keenan's like, who is this guy again? <laughs> I, I luckily can remember him somehow magically, but yes, it does seem weird that he's still part of this story. He's just a dude in the back. He's like, he's not as cool as Joe Robertson. But he seems to no. serve a similar place in this in the supporting cast, you know. Well, I don't know what his personality is, unlike Joe Robinson for starters. Right. There's and he doesn't he doesn't really challenge Jonah, unlike Joe Robinson. But he's uh, somebody for Jonah to do kind something of yes with man. at the Daily Bugle. He's yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. other main voice at the Daily Bugle. Except he doesn't talk that much. And there's like there was that business where he's going to uncover Spider Man's identity, but that like literally just got dropped. And kind of went nowhere. It was almost comical. Yeah, well, that, I feel like they kind of resolved it, right? They 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 tied that bow. Yeah, 
That's what I thought they were going to go with this character. Is he's like going to discover something and then become bad again, or I don't know. Yeah, he's just. I just find it weird that he was a crime lord and now he's just the dude. How that seems a little bit useless at this point, right? Yeah, a little downgrade, a little bit. Um, Norman Osborn coming and going from that airport when people just like come and go freely from an airport. I'm just like, ah, mm-hmm. the world changes. Those days. Yes, remember when you could go all the way to the door with people you remember the tearful goodbyes as they're getting on the plane the crowds of people welcoming you as you're getting off the plane i kind of think that's better oh sorry i can only drop you off see ya (laughs) i don't have to wait for the airplane to take off because i can't go in there with you anyway that might be the uh cynical person cynical side of your personality coming out there (laughs) well who wants to wait okay anyways is that everything Um, on this yeah i do feel like I really don't know, but obviously at some point Green Goblin will come back and they really could use page 19 on that second panel as the excuse for him to be jarred back to reality mm-hmm. or something. He has that look on his face. He does. I do know when we'll he comes see. back again. I do know the issue. Okay. Spoilers. Oh, spoilers that he comes back. <laughs> spoilers that there's another spoiler? Green Goblin? There's more I... Green Goblin later? What? How do we avoid spoilers from 1967? I'm sorry. Maybe just like direct spoilers maybe? Well, so, so here's my know. thought on spoilers. And, and this is... Okay. Here's my thought. When you are talking about the shape of Marvel history and, and the overall mm-hmm. continuity, we're not going to try to avoid talking about stuff that happens down the road. Right. But like, we're in the middle of this particular chapter, and I wouldn't okay. want to spoil what happens next, you know? All right. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to say, well, this is going to happen two issues or three issues from now if it's like any sort of dramatic pleasure to actually watch that happen. I'd hate to ruin your experience. I'd hate to ruin the experience of anyone who's reading along. And we're about to, we are like five spits away from me no longer knowing what's going on except for in a couple of books. My journey of reading through everything Marvel, we're about one month away from it being over. So. And to our, to our credit, we never said that Norman Osborn was the Green Goblin. We played that. that. We played that Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin thing, without ever mentioning it out loud, I think. We might have messed up on one episode, I think, but for the most uh, part, we, we, we kept that quiet <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy that Green Goblin is the mysterious bad guy at the end of Tales of Suspense 88, huh? That is, Green Go- that is seriously that Green Goblin. That's, that's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, that is weird. Like Captain America is going to face we'll off with out. Norman Osborn is strange. Has Captain America ever fought the Green Goblin? Um, now I want to know, but I don't know. Before the Dark Reign era, whenever he wasn't even Green Goblin, he was just like the head of Hammer. And then that mm. wasn't even Steve Rogers' cap. That was Bucky cap. Whoops. So maybe no, maybe, maybe yes. Maybe no. It's possible that Steve Rogers and Norman Osborn have never faced off. I was just going to do a quick image search, and yeah, they haven't. Gotcha. As far as I can tell. Very weird, but okay. Well, you know what this means? What does We're it at mean? the end of a month. Are we yes, really? Yes, we are. I'm not prepared Our for this. Our episode is okay, long, but we're so going to make January, it a little bit longer. January 1967. We are one month in. Hmm. Hmm. All Should right. we go down the list? Go down okay. the list. Millie the Model, number 53. And then after that, Thor 138, where um, Thor has to fight uh, the trolls, right? He's fighting trolls, and they have like the Oracle thing underground. Yeah, that's it. And in the background, it's it's the whole stuff with yep. um, Mogul and trying to find the Mystic Mountain and meeting the genie. Yeah, all that stuff. Okay. Then Sergeant Fury 40, um, which is that France might be free. 
and that's where they meet Dernier and um okay mm-hmm. they get they get Dino back at the end right yeah D- Dino's back yeah. at the end good good tales mm-hmm. to astonish 90 wow 90 this thing only goes until 101 um and that's where Bira comes back from the you know 1950s and takes over um Atlantis basically by being Trump then um okay the Hulk has to go up against the abomination first appearance of abomination the x-men 30 was a kind of one-off x-men issue as the book is trying to improve and yet this time the warlock <laughs> wakes they did not try no, this, this the, they, they were just like you're you're on your road up and then you hand them the the reins over to somebody else and he's just like let's set these back 100 years daredevil 26 the mass marauder is finally unmasked uh, Mike Murdoch continues to be Mikey, and the Stilt Man strikes again. Fantastic Four 61, um, where Sandman intervene, uh, in, uh, invades the Baxter building, and it ends with Reed Richards getting stuck in the negative zone. He's totally going to die. And then finally, we're into our stuff from this episode, The Avengers 38 with Hercules, Tales of Suspense 88 with Iron Man versus Mole Man, in Captain America versus Swordsman and Power Man. Uh, Strange Tales 155 with uh, Nick Fury versus the Mysterious Hydras and Doctor Strange versus Intelligence. And Amazing Spider Man 47 with Craven. Boy. Okay. You're right. The, the least is a runoff between Doctor Strange and the X Men. X Men for me, that's easy because that that Warlock story was insulting almost. Okay, at how weird, at how how illogical it was. At least Doctor Strange was just standard fare Doctor Strange stuff. I can see that, and it kind of had a twist at the end with the with his master portraying him and all. Uh, yeah, the Warlock is like every page. I was like, but why? I don't understand what's going on. What? Huh? Who? How? So it was just one of those issues that just irritated me. Yeah. Uh, so that's easy. I'm more, uh, you know, person my lips or homing and hawing over what the best one was because that's not really jumping out at me right now. Um, we've got a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. But we also got. A, I don't know if we have anything like great. Yeah. We got a lot of middle in, a lot of pretty good, not a lot of great. I think our greats are once again, or at least our closest to greats, are once again Fantastic Four and Spider Man. But I also really liked the Avengers and I really liked Daredevil. And I, that is literally what I was just looking at. All four yeah. of those. Yep. I feel bad that I don't but like I feel Thor like, more than I should because Thor really does do good stuff. It's just not. I don't think it, it pushes my buttons. You know, you know. You know that is a good setup, though. I forgot about that one. Like a lot of things are happening. Like the goblins are like they beat Thor and they're on their way to beating Asgard and they've stranded him and hmm. That could have been that could be a contender too. And the thing about Daredevil is it's less about the story and more about the art just being so mm-hmm. amazing. Because I mean, it's the stilt man. How exciting is it? You know, Spider Man is really good in all ways, except I felt Craven was off completely. Fantastic Four again, maybe it's just the art. I just thought Kirby's Sandman was super awesome. Yeah, yeah. But then again, Mister Reed gets stuck in the negative zone too at the end. That's pretty epic. It's, it's some serious drama. The the Inhumans actually start to work their way back towards the main plot with Crystal returning and looking for Johnny. And I just like Hercules. Like 
anytime he's in a book, it kind of just makes me happy. And so. even though the stuff with um, Goliath and Hawkeye is a bit overwrought, it does make for an interesting story. Oh, yeah. The Avengers love their drama, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of their thing. They like to yell and fight. Daredevil, I'm sorry. Daredevil, I I loved Matt Murdock's magical girl transformation into Mike Murdock. It was fantastic. Uh, the stuff with Stiltman getting his, I'm sorry, Frogman getting his shoes in the courtroom. Like, that was ridiculous mm-hmm. fun. And then it's Daredevil versus Stiltman, which shouldn't be cool, except Gene Colan. Uh, Mass Marauders Unmasked and, is like, okay, I guess, whatever. Yeah. But there's just lots of good stuff there. But Stiltman is almost just a thing that happens in order for Mass Marauder to encounter Daredevil and and for Daredevil to slip. Mm-hmm. You know? Like that's the important that's the important part of the story. It's not beating Stiltman. That never really seemed like much drama. Daredevil's gonna beat Stiltman, but like then he slips and accidentally says the landlord's name as Daredevil. You know, that's gonna be the consequence of this issue. So that is actually pretty cool. Okay. So that didn't help me. That didn't help me because now I'm really now I just put Daredevil a couple extra points there. Hmm. I just flipped through Daredevil and Fantastic Four and Avengers and Spider-Man. And I'm mm-hmm. just gonna I'm gonna adhere to type. The the book okay. that as I was flipping through it, I felt the most joy is Spider-Man. So I'm keeping the I'm gonna choose okay. that one as my top, even though I have not yet declared a bottom. I'm gonna flip through X-Men and Doctor Strange and see which one upsets me more. <laughs> totally X-Men. Um gosh. I wonder if it's Fantastic Four. It's Daredevil. I'm gonna say it's Daredevil. Daredevil. Yep. Yeah. Because as much as I liked Avengers, there were some clunky bits storytelling-wise to it. Spider-Man's Craven is eh. Fantastic Four was good, but it had Inhumans in it, and it had a bit a beat with Silver Surfer in it that should have been in last issue, so also seemed a little clunky. Daredevil's just pretty, pretty smooth read. I don't know if it's important, but it's it was good, and it's beautiful right now. Ridiculously good looking, so... Daredevil it is. All right. And, and I'm going to choose Doctor Strange as my least. Okay. Um, the story itself made little sense. Uh, it was a point A to point B with lots of little points in the way that don't really have any meaning or need anything to be there. Um, mm-hmm. The ending, I didn't get. I don't know what the story mm-hmm. is doing. Um, X-Men... If X-Men were, if that issue of X-Men were in the same 10 or 12 page format as the Doctor Strange, I would have probably enjoyed it more, or at least unenjoyed it less. Because Doctor Strange has the benefit of being brief, but I can't hold that against the X-Men because that's just the format of the book. You didn't understand the ending of Doctor Strange. The X-Men didn't understand the ending of X-Men number 30. Remember? Yeah. (laughs) They said, I don't even know what happened in this story. You and me both, Iceman. High five. <laughs> I mean, they pulled the, they pulled the uh, rug over the over the warlock, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't mind it as much. I mean, there's no there's no wrong answer between the two. It's fine. Picks Doctor Strange. All right, so can, that's easy. That's easily a good choice. I've actually managed to get out my spreadsheet and enter the information into the spreadsheet. So that's one month down. Yay. Yay. All right. So what are we doing? So what do we got next week? Next week, let's bring up the list. We are going to be doing four more comics. Now, Sergeant Fury is once again going to move into a first week book. 
And since it's always our chronologically mm-hmm. earliest book of the week, it is now our chronologically earliest book of the month as well. So we're going to do next episode, Sergeant Fury 41, Thor 139, mm-hmm. Tales of Suspense 89, and this weird nexus of Marvel continuity. I'll talk more about that next time. Strange Tales 156. So even though we did Tales of Suspense tonight, we're doing it again next um, week? Yeah, because it was wow. a second week book, and it's getting moved to the first week. Oh, that's right. Oh, and we also reshuffled it for this mm-hmm. month because of the storytelling. Because elements. of the storytelling. So elements. that probably changed the right. date. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Where can they find us? They can find us at makearsmarvel.com. There you can find all the links to our shows and our, your the most common apps and the RSS feed, and, of course, links to our social media on Facebook and Twitter. And you'll also find a contact form there, or you can write directly to us, podcast at makearsmarvel.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at John Reads Comics. You can follow Mike on Twitter at Kaiser the Great. I do other podcasts that I invite you to come listen to, namely Return to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast, which is talking about all the Marvel comics and cartoons about the Transformers from the 1980s. Uh, that is on Twitter at TFUK Podcast or TFUKpodcast.com. On that same feed and Twitter page and website is a, a discussion show about the series Kyoryu Sentai Jurenja, which is a Japanese superhero show that is the source material for the first season of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. That show is called Dino Squad Goals. I do that with my son, and that is available as well. Um, on our website, makearsmarvel.com, is a tip jar, the PayPal link. Drop some money in. We'll thank you with our whole hearts when you do so. And um, until next time, yep. or until Craven finally beats Spider-Man and buries him in the ground, make ours marvel. marvel.